So, welcome everybody to another episode of Bridge the Gap. This is the show at Behind That Suit where we aim to share knowledge and experiences and grow as a community of people just kind of learning about the stories of each of our guests. Today we have Vava. I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. Um, no, it's Vava. It's Vava. you right on. Right Vava. On. Fantastic. So we have him with us today. Um, we're going to go through his life. We're going to hear about his music. We're going to, y'all just listen to his stuff. So anybody that's just checking it, you can hit a little rewind and see everything that's going on. But uh, just to give you some flowers, man, because yo, I very much enjoyed what I listened to. Um, I listened to that first project, right? Well, the first one being on your Spotify list, the one that's titled Chocolate and Kleenex 2. And I felt it. I really did, man. Like a 15-year-old me and my soul going through some heartbreak and shit. I feel like this is as good as like a My Chemical Romance experience, you know, in terms of like really going through that whole emotional heartbreak, you know, of like actually experiencing some stuff. And I wanted to let y'all know he's going to have some auto-tune vibes and shit. But, yo, you can hear it in his voice that he can clearly enunciate each of the syllables that he's saying and that his delivery is proper, making it a cosmetic choice for effect rather than a reliance or a crutch. And it's beautiful. On top of that, as you're listening to shit, you start catching these individual bars here and there and you realize nah nah he actually is saying things like that whole album feels like a story where you have this whole confusing mess of do i or don't i with this girl and i don't really remember if you end up liking her or not at the end but i felt like you were high because that's what the last one is and at the end of the day you're confused with it and i really fucking love the vibe on that but then we got to no choice dude and I'm not going to go through all of them, but No Choice blew my fucking mind because it hits it from a very different angle, right? It's almost yeah. like, yo, I can rap on this one. And I have to say, when I heard Cold Night, Cold Nights and the angle that you took with that shit with regards to like fucking kind of looking at that subject matter with the gang life and the angle that you took, the maturity, just the reflective tone. It's like, yo, this guy's like really using his platform proper on top of making this sonic experience that is just wonderful. So at least for me, I felt it was really great. Um, I definitely really resonated. Like Cold Nights to me, straight five on five. Like I can't say all the other ones were like straight five on five, but that one hit me so fucking hard. But the rest of them, dude, I'm telling you, I'm just sitting there playing them over and over again. The vibe, it's perfect mellow background music and that's not an insult like artists might not know that but you kind of want music that really works well while i'm doing other shit yeah, that's yeah. When i'm that gonna actually play it. but at the same time then when you take the chance to focus you're delighted um, yeah there's something there also so that's not like how this interview is gonna go i just wanted the people to know that's what i think about your shit having listened to it and i wanted you to know that i took your art seriously before we get into this conversation because again we never really chatted before this is our first time having a real conversation so i'm just impressed with you plus your videos are fire um one of them i started playing and said maybe i shouldn't play this one it's a little it's a little risque looked a little fun to make uh, and then the other one, uh, I was like, damn, this guy is utilizing his like home space so effectively to give maximum fucking effective scenes. I was so impressed with that. I digress. Let's get into this proper. Let's start with the I'm first question. Well, first, I'm the broke. new first question. Where are you from? I always forget to ask that, but where, are you born here? No, I'm not born here. I'm a zoo boy. I'm born in Haiti, so okay. Haitian. And um, traveled around, had, you know, a couple issues being from there and whatnot, traveled around. But um, I'm a Montrealer now, you know, I'm from MTL right now. That's what I'm what representing. You, uh, I've been here like almost a decade, so it's home, you know. 
I respect that. Um, I completely respect that a lot. So I like to start this off though with a different question. That was just like the first question. So the real question is actually going to be, um, it's it's kind of like I like to tell a bit of stories with my questions, right? It's a bit of a it's a bit more than just a little question. So I'm watching my girlfriend do the dishes one time, and uh, she's like fucking bumping this Black Eyed Peas song. I got a feeling, ooh, you know that shit, right? You know, so I'm 33 and shit. So I remember like 2010 and shit. I remember being in the clubs with all the people, and we was dancing in circles to that shit. And now we's doing chores to that shit. So that got me thinking a little bit, right? Like when we young. When our parents were doing chores and bumping their tunes, that's that shit that they was once clubbing to. But that's also that shit that we grew up with. Was there like my mom played her disco, my dad had his rock, but then there's car music. Maybe you have siblings and they have music going on. Now, a lot of people think that the musical journey starts like with your influences. And no, that's not even it. That's down the line a little bit. Your musical journey really starts with your parents and your family and the surroundings. So I want to understand what a little Vava grew up with. What were your parents listening to? What was the vibe around when you were a youth? As a youth, um, I I grew up in a Haitian household, but with a single parent, mom was always out. So it was my older sister that mostly watched me, and her, she was listening to a whole bunch of pop. I guess around that time, that was when the 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 Britney Spears, the Backstreet Boys, the you know, all that mellow pop shit. That was when that was coming out. And that was literally what was around me from, I would say, from 5 till about 10, 11. And then I met a couple, started going outside, meeting a couple people. And then my homeboys introduced me to, um, it was Pac, which was the first song that I actually heard was Hit em Up. So let's go back a little bit. So you're still young. Like, yeah, yeah. like young, young, right? And you see I have all this pop stuff going on. Um, were you involved in stuff? Um, were you involved in stuff like, you know, dancing or how were you actually listening to music in your life? Like, how is it actually being played around you? Well, I always wrote from seven years old. It started small with like poems or just like, I've always loved writing. Um, okay. And anybody that knows me knows like, I'm not too... For, for lack of a better word, too expressive. So even from young, that was always my, like, that was my outlet, like writing from, like, I, I, I'm a writer, I write. So from poems to stories to whatever I've always wrote. So when I finally transitioned into a style of music that I felt personally, because even growing up, the pop was what was around me, but exactly. it was just good music to be around. But I really fell in love with music with music when I got into the hip hop and How the rap, that's when I was like, yeah, that I want to do that. So How I took the writing I was doing already and transitioned it into that, you know? So yeah. How old were you when this one happened? Do you remember like the moment that you actually decided now nah, this has to happen and I'm going to get into this? Yeah. I was like, I was like seven, seven. I literally had just gotten my ass whipped by my mom. <laughs> so I was emotionally as bad as fuck. So I ran to my homeboy spot and, um, and yeah, and it was just there, you know, um, he started playing stuff cause my mom was heavily Christian. So rap wasn't touching the house, period. Bit, uh, I relate to that dude. My so, parents you know, so that's why I was like, that that's all my sister would listen to. So rap wasn't touching the house, especially she's an old Haitian lady. So for her, all she hears is the gunshots and the rob this and the, that's all she mm. thinks rap is at least at that time. 
So there was no rap in the crib at all. But anyways, um, so ran to my friend's house and he was playing that Tupac. Um, I don't remember if it was the TV or whatever. And then from there, we're just vibing and we had a conversation. And I guess between everything that happened and that music just being at the right time, right place, it was just like, you know, that's, that just, that for lack of a better word, that healed me at the moment. And I like, I just been right, chasing Let's talk that about that a little sense. bit more. Because part of what we're doing here is you got to understand, there's going to be people from all over and all types of backgrounds and all types of ways watching this, right? So even right now, you just showed me something really interesting. I never really thought about it. Like, I had an experience where there was no swearing allowed in, in the music. So it wasn't necessarily hip-hop that was, like, attacked, per se, in my background. It was the swearing part. But you said specifically the whole genre was typecasted in a negative way inside of your household, right? You got to understand, yeah. not everybody even understands that experience. Maybe a 20-year-old watching that today maybe doesn't even get what that was like and how that impacted you. And so if you want to expand a bit about even just the stuff that you were feeling around then that made you want to vent out this outlet as much as you feel comfortable sharing, you know? Because it's really helpful for all of us to learn that kind of shit. Um. Really? <laughs> I hate that word. Uh, it was, um, I don't know, I guess at that age, you're not really feeling much because mm. what you grow up into is the norm, I guess I would say. So not listening and not doing certain things, like just how you said earlier, we couldn't curse in my house neither. Like that, that mm. was an ass whipping waiting to happen. You know, uh, uh, so we couldn't do that. Um, it was just a very strict household. But when it's what you grow into, it's what you know. It's and at that age, whatever feeling or negative feeling I might have had towards it, I wasn't even sure that's what you know. At that age, you're not even sure mm -hmm. that's what it was. But all I know is when, especially when rap came on, you know that that was literally my piece, like. You know, because like I said, strict household, TV time mm. is short, it's study, Jesus Christ, all that good stuff. So to be able to just kick it with your homies and talk about shows while you have like basically something serenading your ears in the background, it was just like, yeah, that was that was it for me. So yeah, man, it was I just peaceful, that. honestly. I feel that a lot, actually. Um, so you started writing at like seven, which is fucking crazy when you really think about it. That's not a lot of people that can say that. Were you also reading a lot at that time? Yeah, yeah. Heavy reader, heavy reader. That's amazing, dude. You still read today? Yep. To this day, I try to get a book in. Um, I, I've been slow on it, I'm going to be honest, but I try to get a book in every couple months. It's just to keep your brain sharp. It's a muscle too, right? Big fucking facts, man. I appreciate that a lot. I'm an avid reader myself, so I feel like that's cool. More people should uh, brag about their reading and stuff. Spread the word. But um, let's go into back into your story because we're going to just kind of go all around and keep going back into your story. Oh, so you're, you're a young guy. Um, When do you start? Because you started young, young. So when do you actually start like writing songs and actually moving to that? When is it like actually are you in high school when that happens is that like down the line like or is it just like a hobby throughout this phase no i went so born in haiti my mom migrated to this um little island called um the turks and caicos 
Um, it's famous for the beaches, of course, one of the most beautiful spots for beaches. Shout out TCI, um, Providenciales, that's where I'm from. Um, that's basically where I really grew up, like from about, spent about eight, nine years there or whatever. Um, that, sounds, that sounds like beautiful. Like, I've never been anywhere like that. That's the kind of stuff I look at and pretend like I can afford to go to one day soon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like everywhere else. As it's good and it's bad, right? There's, there's the rich, there's the poor. We weren't really any better off there, but the location was better, I could say. You know, it's like, well, money was still tight, but whatever, you know. But um, really start writing music. From the Turks, got really deep into it. I would say about entering high school. I was one of the first, because like I said, it's a small island. So I was literally one of the first, if not the first group of kids that was actually recording music, period. So there was wow. no other, yeah, there was no other DJs, none of that. Because there was just like, there was just nobody interested in recording music. So literally I got, I remember back then, got one of the little computer mics and yeah, we started blazing off those. Yo, tell us more about that, dude. Cause yo, this is the interesting stuff for me, at least these kinds of things. Like tell us about recording music. One of the, you're, you're pioneers now. There's nobody else around you literally doing it, dog. I wouldn't say pioneers, you know, cause it's more cause and the location, I guess, it would be more like we started a trend or something like that, but not That's pioneers because, you know, people would have been, we, we, we had the blueprint already for, you know, what, at least I had an idea okay. and I had people before me that gave so me let's an say idea a what catalyst. I wanted to do. Let's, let's change it to a catalyst then. Yeah, that's better. That's better. But, um, okay. yeah, it was, um, I remember um, around 13, me and my homeboy, um, like my big brother, Juvie, um, one of my closest homies from back then, um, he had all the connects. He was, he was connected, connected, you know, he was one of those dudes that was it. So, um, he got everything. He, he loved the way we used to freestyle battle before then. Never, never lost as a youngin in the TCI. That's facts. Anybody will tell you never lost to nobody, um, freestyling over there. So whatever. But um, yeah, and that homeboy, he hooked me up with all the vibes. We got the money together, did what we had to do, and we got the first computer and microphone in the zone and just started busting lyrics from there, you know? That's but crazy, That shit didn't last long. What happened? Uh, uh, mom left the country. Shit went bad. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't want to go into stuff that's not, I mean, you know, if it's like, yeah, yeah. Is. but um, did you guys like actually release stuff back then? Were you guys like, nah, nothing, discs? Not even, but you still went not through the even. process of creating. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, like I said, I love making music, period, period. Mm. Like it's, it's what I do. It's me. It's, it's, it's period. So back then we wasn't thinking about no money, no, you know, it wasn't about that. It was. There's a beat. I got bars. They're going to be spit. And that was just that. Which is, you know, what's interesting is um, I'm, I'm looking for patterns, right? Like that's kind of like half the reason I'm doing this. I'm trying to understand what makes success. How do you really gain longevity? That's what's interesting to me. How do you stay making music? How are you able to do it properly? 
And one of the common themes I've seen is that some of the greater talents and look, your 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 flow is is really precise. Like I don't know if people really can catch how precise your flow is. Like it's the kind of shit where you really had to have been writing since you're like fucking a kid to like be that precise with it. I don't even know how old you are, but I'm gonna assume that you have a lot of experience in this game, and it shows. And I'm not trying to call you old, but you said you've been writing since you're 13, so that could be any age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But it's more like straight up, dude. Like I, I, I see that pattern where like people who are super passionate from the youth, it then correlates a lot into what they're able to bring to the table with versatility, and that's where it really shows. It's not you're not stuck to one style. You're able to do several different things and do them all extremely well. And I think it's cool that you shared all that, dude. Because yo. How incredible is it that you're you're because you're here now, like you're in Montreal. So how yeah, incredible yeah. is it that you being part of our scene also has such a powerful influence in such another place? Like yeah. to me, that's crazy cool. That's like that's the kind of shit I want to get on here so that we can write your Wikipedia and make it fucking fire one day. That's just Um, so fair enough. Uh, I guess you guys have to leave. It stuff happens. What is the next part of the story for you? Um, uh, so, well, not to get too much detail, but what, I'm, I'm like, um, I'm like 10, 11, um, for multiple reasons, mom had to leave the country. So I'm left with my, um, my brother's dad for a bit, but things don't work out. So I gave up on music for a while was homeless for a while. And then after that, I think I reconnected with my mom's back in the States, like around 15. And then from there, I got back into music. Yeah, that's intense. That's like serious shit. Yeah. Sorry, I was just processing what you said. That's like, that's young. A lot. I'm not trying to like dwell on it. I'm just like it's a just process. Yeah, it is what it is. You know? of, there's a lot of pain in your music, and you went through shit in your life. So you know it is kind of probably connected in some way or another. But I, I like your music a lot. I felt a lot of things in it, and I really resonate with that. So I think it's cool that you're sharing your story with us, man. Like it's sure. it's awesome of you. So thank you for that, for real. Um, but yeah, so you're 15 and you reconnect with your mom in the states. Do you know, where in the states? Um, Florida. We linked back in Florida. That's where she had been. Um, she had been there for a couple of years. So after a couple of years apart, we linked back there. But you know, like I don't know. As a youth, as a kid, when you go through certain things, sometimes I don't know. You're fuck. I'm trying to find the right words. I guess okay. you're my attitude. Yes. I'm gonna say personally, my attitude at least at that age, I felt like I had been through enough. I didn't really need advice or help. Mm. So me and her, even then when we reconnected around 15, just really couldn't, like we couldn't, you know, we couldn't sink or none of that. So once again, had to give up on the music and um, some more stuff happened. And then I linked up with my sister and we came to Canada, you know? Respect. I mean, I think, look, I had a lot of bullshit go on when I was a teenager, dude. I wasn't really the most well-behaved person. I felt it was kind of dysfunctional myself. 
So I relate to what you're saying. You make poor choices when you're a youth, but you're also a teenager and all teenagers make kind of bad choices. It's part of like the package deal of being it. And sometimes the world that we're in is complicated, right? Now I know a lot about Haiti and what it's like to deal with the circumstances in that country because there's plenty of people from Haiti that are here. So my heart bleeds a little bit about that because, yo, that's an extreme struggle to have to overcome at such a young age. And if somebody acts out a little bit here and there and does a couple of things that other people might frown upon, to me, that's just ignorance on their end because at the end of the day, these things are fucking complicated, right? Yo, man, Haiti is a country that has had a lot of bad breaks. And when you look at the political history of how people treat Haiti, and the complicated, yeah. yeah, and you don't know why, because they're the first ones to break free, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like the first ones yeah, to, first to ones, declare independence. They have to be made an example of, of course, but it is what it is. So like, I appreciate what you're saying at like a bigger depth, right? So like, I just want you to know a lot of people are going to feel that because that's some real shit that you had to go through in your life because of a complicated situation. But you get to Canada and what part of, what part of Canada do you end up in Montreal? Uh, yeah, straight MTL. And what part of Montreal are you in? Uh, me right now, I'm in a NDG. NDG, oh, Montreal. NDG? Me yeah, too. Yeah. That's oh, fucking that's fire. That's We neighbors that's still. Straight up, that's dope. Uh, were you guys always NDG or different parts? Uh, no, no. When I first came, um, I was like, I was like Saint Laurent area. Okay. So I was there for a while. So, um... Yeah. When do you end up uh, getting back into the music grind again, or what's going on in your life? Do you do other but, things that are happening? No, I guess I moved over here, and like honestly, here was a blessing compared to you know, like the I'm talking about like the the, the surrounding the situation itself, because in both both in the Turks and in the states, I had gotten myself in some trouble I didn't even need to be in, but. So it was like a good fresh start where I could really just focus on, you know? So the mm. minute I got back, I got on it, but lack of information, you know, really slowed me down. That's fair. Is it, it must be, is it, I mean, I don't think a lot of people actually understand what it's like to deal with immigration in this province <laughs> at all. Yeah. So I can appreciate a little bit what lack of information is like, but, um, how long did it take for you to get like set up and shit? Like, what's that actually? No, like? no, legally, not legally. Everything was great, you know. Shout out to my sister for that. She had handled um, a whole bunch of shit since before we got here. We knew what we was doing, you know, turning left, right, right. right, and whatnot. So it was more of lack of information on the music end where mm, I could have been part. dropping music a couple years before. But lack of information, not knowing the right people, I just I was just constantly recording, recording, recording. So that was my thing. Where were you getting beats and all that? Um, YouTube. I had a couple boys, um, homeboys that made beats. I used to buy some here and there. So yeah. So you were recording all this stuff and just stockpiling it. Yeah, just recording and stockpiling. Dropped um. Drop a little one-two thing here, but nothing, nothing as legit as I should have. Just random YouTube and you know Spotify. Like I said, lack of information with no promotion. Also, you know, mm. it just still born stills. No, that makes a lot of sense. 
Um, so then what changes then? When do you start to feel like you're taking your stuff more seriously and it, it moves into a new direction? What change? I don't know. Well, I can't. Honestly, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you because I always knew I wanted to. I guess I never knew how. And okay. I'm a very, it's a bad habit, terrible habit I have. If any artist is listening right now, definitely don't do this, but I do it. I'm very to myself. So it's hard to get information you don't know when you're not venturing out to people that may know. So it just took me a while to, you know, step out and just get the information I wanted to know. But the minute I got the information, I was on go mode. Okay. And I can appreciate that. Like in every venture in my life, it takes a while to get started. You have to feel it out. You have to like decide what you really want to do with it. And then, you know, it, it, there's even an element of just stepping out of your comfort zone, right? Like, yo, there are so many strangers you have to meet in this game that it's mentally fucking exhausting, right? Like for a lot of ways, like whether, even if they're all your boys, even if you like everybody, Sometimes yeah. you might have like a hundred people in like three days talk to you and you're like the fuck just happened Like I can't even remember half these conversations yeah. So It's like I feel that a lot man I, I really I actually appreciate you sharing that man because a lot of people probably relate to you in a lot of ways like that Like I connect to that when you said that I'm like yo, that's my life too, man That's what it is That's amazing though. I mean, it's amazing that you're able to get past it because I've seen you publish a lot of shit you made some a lot of music in the last little while that's been coming out. A lot of stuff is happening. So how did you? What's been going on? How did you get into this grind mode? So you start grinding when? When does it really start for you? Um, couple really start. Um, I linked up with like three of my boys. We um, cause money towards studio. I got a fam, so you know money gotta go towards beer. So it's. A lot of stuff we were able to cut off when I linked up with like three of my boys, shout out to them. And they literally, they, we opened up a studio together and they basically run most of the things. So I'm just able to come through and record and just focus on the music. So then I was able to take money and reinvest it in other things that I would have otherwise invest in beats and you know, whatnot. So I'll say about three years ago, Four years ago, I really started, like, I had a plan. I knew what I was going to drop, how I wanted to drop it, the the speed I wanted to drop it at. So I started with a couple mixtapes with my boy. I think I dropped two or three, which wasn't on Spotify, just like a warm-up thing. And then... When did you release them? Um, what, 2017, 2016? And how, how, what, uh... Did you use like that piff or using discs? Like, no, that time I just released them on what was no, yeah, it was that piff. Mm. I released them on that piff, that piff was really, really, really popping then. So, I dropped them on that piff, had some on SoundCloud, yeah. And, um, were you, at this time, are you performing at all or are you just making music? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. That's so that's you- another like. Jumping on stage, I get nervous as fuck before I actually get on, but once you're on, bro, like, there's there's really no other high like it, bro, like, especially when, when the crowd, now, now, it's when the crowd is vibing with you, though. <laughs> if the crowd ain't fucking with you, there's no down like it neither, but it is what it is, you know? 
I've had some uh, performances in my life where I've been stonewalled and they all just staring at you and nobody's yeah. fucking moving at all. Yeah, they all just like, who the fuck are you? What are you doing? And you're like, oh boy. But then not. <laughs> I've also had performances where everybody's lit. I got blessed on my first performance. I went yeah. out on stage and uh, motherfuckers were singing one of my choruses by the end of one of the tracks. And I was That's like, what's up. I never, like, it's my first ever, no one's heard these songs, right? Like, so that was it. That was like, it never happened again, quite like that. Like, people already heard shit before. But just having that experience, I'm like, duh, that is, it's, it was the best. And I I relate a lot. I actually tell people, yo, you think sex is good. You've never had a crowd feel you when you're on a stage. Like, that is the fucking best shit that you're ever going to get. But when did you start performing? Um... Yes, right after I dropped the tape. So like 2000, um, I probably did some small things here and there. Like if I was invited or whatever, or maybe if it was a feature here and there, I've been doing that. If I'm featured on your track and you need me, I'm always there. But um, personally, yeah, it was about 2016, around the same time. As I dropped the tapes, I actually had stuff that I could actually, you know, go and Mm. perform and promote that was solely focused on me. So, yeah. So what what kind of spots did you perform at? Who were you like performing with? Uh, clubs, wherever, whenever, however. It was mostly clubs and anywhere else I could find. You know, I was hitting up everyone and anyone, just you know, trying to get on stage, trying to get that hat. So you were handling that side of your life? Uh, yeah, I handled everything. Handled, let's pretend majority some... of the stuff is handled was was handled by me. Um, happy I could give off some of that load, but yeah, majority around that time, majority of everything was handled. So like, how would you go about getting booked? Like, let's say I want to go get booked in a club. How would I go about actually getting myself booked in a club? Well, first you're looking for events. Facebook is one of the best spots to do that. You're looking to see, you know, shit like your friends tag you in or a friend's friend, you know, events that's popping. And then from there, you look at the type of event, you know? Uh, don't go hit up, uh, I don't know, like a fucking rock event to go do rap, basically, if you get what I'm saying. But, you yeah, know, you search sure the right you... events that fit whatever, you know, you want to do. And then from there, you just hit up people, bro. I mean, you're sitting on a no already, so you might as well hit them and try to get a yes into that. So that's just what it is. I love what you just said, yo. So up on this channel, we look for knowledge nuggets. Knowledge nuggets is basically when you drop in wisdom, right? And what you just said there is fucking wisdom. So first of all, you're like, you can use social media to browse the internet and look at what the fuck's happening in your city. Because you know what? I'll be real with you. I never really thought to do that. I mean, I know I could have, but I never really thought to do it. You know, like, so it just kind of is what it is. And then the fact is, you go find the event, but you also apply some attack to it. Because sometimes people hit up everybody, everybody, everybody. And that's just kind of lame. Especially if you're like, yo, why are you hitting me up? I don't want to talk to you. So instead, you're like, find an event that makes sense for you. And then hit up the people. But then also, you're currently sitting on a no. So flip that shit into a yes. That's some sales shit right there. That's where like... You got to effectively, like, create the opportunity in your life because nothing's going to be handed to you. So that's what I took from what you just said. So that kind of shit's real fucking smart. And a lot of people benefit from hearing that kind of thing. But it worked for you. It's it's incredible. So, like, um, 
what kind of do you have any cool stories or anything fun that happened throughout that era performing uh, I wouldn't say cool. I had one story that traumatized me, probably will traumatize me for the rest of my life. It's a dumbass story though, but um, me and my boy, um, Stretchy, always with me. But um, me and my boy were performing in Ottawa or something. And we just, you know, we, we took a break and um, headed towards the bathroom because we don't know the area or whatever. So um, and as we walk in, we hear this dude um, w- um, walk in the bathroom like breaking shit, bro. And he's like screaming at the top of his lung, like fuck, fuck, how could it? Like fuck, like, like you know, we worried. So, boom, boom, we step outside and quick, quick, while we're because we're not trying like none of that. We're in an outside city. While we're walking out, we hear Buddy talking to his next man, and it's like, bro, my girl I've been with for five years, and my homeboy I know for 10 years been cheating for two years. I was like, damn, bro. Man, that's tough. That's so awkward, though, too, right? Because you're like, yeah, I could feel that. I could feel that vibe. Yeah, bro. Like, yeah, that shit traumatized me, bro. Fuck that. Nah, but I, that's crazy. Like, cause like you're not even home and you're sitting there and there's a bunch of crashing going on and you don't know what the fuck's happening. Yeah. Um, cause I don't even think a lot of people consider what it's like to be in another place. Right. Like how it yeah. used to feel there. I've been in other places and when you're not at home, everything's a little bit fucking weird. If anything gets sketched out because you know, you don't have the comfort of home. Like, you know what the fuck is up in Montreal. Like, you know yeah. what's going on. So like, I know the terrains, you know, anything go down, I know where to bust my left and right. So yeah. So, like, I, I feel that, man. I think that's pretty fucking cool. So, like, well, not cool, but, you know, sometimes my interviewer fucking fill-ins are garbage. It is what it is. Um, but, like, uh, so when it comes down to marketing, something that I saw that you did was fascinating is uh, the short projects. Um, yeah. And here's the thing. Uh, I'm on the older side of hip-hop. I'm, on, I'm in my 30s and shit. So, like, I went ahead and released myself, like, a 10-track project, and people stopped listening about track five is what I saw. <clears throat> so, I'm yeah. like, oh, fuck, I'm misplaying. Nobody wants to listen to your 13-track album. I learned that. But when I was releasing singles, they were doing fucking well. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm a misplaying. I see a lot of you guys doing seven tracks and shit, smaller albums. Do you find this is, like, the move? This is the way to do things moving forward? No. I mean, that's, um, I mean, there's the popular way to do things, the more trending way, but to be honest with you, this music shit, it's, it's about knowing people and being very good at whatever method you choose to use. It's not good to over flood the market, but there's no guarantee only dropping singles is what's going to help. There's no guarantee dropping seven tracks is you just, whatever you drop has to make a buzz. You just can't. You can't be complacent. So you could keep just dropping singles and they can do okay, but if they're about the same and nothing really blows off, it's no use. While you could drop a 10, 14 track tape and people just catch on right away. So it's all about whatever you do. You just have to, and it's not easy, you know? It's easy to say it and you know, if, if, if I knew the exact fucking recipe, you know, put that in there, stir that, then 
I would have it done already, but mm. no, I don't. So, but it's, it's how you do it. Me personally, I dropped the tapes the way I dropped them with seven tracks because one, I don't want to over flood, but I also want to give you a bit of context. I want to give you a bit of a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit. And and four, four tracks, five tracks for me personally is just not enough for me to get everything. For me, seven, six, seven, eight is, is my perfect number. But that's just like I said, it's a personal preference thing. It's you, you got to find a way to whatever you do to get the attention of the audience. And that's all it comes down to in the end. I mean, I totally appreciate what you're saying because what I felt about your albums is there was a completeness to the project where I don't think I would have got the same sense of the journey as like a seven track or sorry, like, you know, the seven track creates that sense of a journey, but also Lil Peep did seven tracks and I love that album. That little seven track album he has, the Come Over When You're Sober Part One. I can listen yeah. to that back to front. And every time I put it on, I end up listening to the whole thing because it's 22 minutes and shit. So it's actually kind of short enough for me to like get through it. But then I was looking at your shit earlier and thinking about Kanye. Because back in 2018, Kanye did his seven track album run, right? Or maybe it was 17, 18. I don't remember. Whenever he did the fucking Nas album and all of that shit. And there were yeah. all like seven tracks. And then now everyone's making shorter albums. So I'm wondering, you know, I'm thinking about these kinds of things and I see you doing it and I, I feel like you're doing pretty well. Like I, I see your monthly listeners and I'm going, that that's not bad. That's not bad. It's not a, it's not like the greatest, but I would like well, to have 250 not, myself, not, yeah. you know, like I'm saying you're doing pretty good from a lot of the numbers I've encountered, you know, and I really, yeah. I, I like that. Like, I like it. I feel it. I can see how people can just sit there and fucking listen to your shit over and over again. So, um, I just was wondering, like, you know, if it had, like, there was some kind of influence beyond that. But I, I like the way you put it with the seven tracks giving just enough to tell the complete story. In a way, it's like TV, right? So, back in the day, TV used to be, like, 22-episode seasons. And they used to have a lot of filler episodes. So, those would be, like, like those episodes which just clips of old episodes. And nobody fucking really wants to watch that bullshit, right? Like, it's yeah. just kind of boring. So, instead, the TV seasons got shorter. Now they're all like 13 episodes or whatever, or 10 episodes. These are like the perfect amount to tell the story. And that's fucking kind of like how I see the way your point is illustrated. It's kind of even the way everything's evolved. So it's not really about the song amount. It's about doing something with it to kind of be fresh with it, but also keeping in mind saturating the market. Because I like what you said too about not flooding stuff. That's, um, that's a problem that you can have. I went live yeah. five times the other day because I was fucking around and testing shit and it annoyed some people, I'm sure. Nobody told me, but I know it annoyed people. I'd be annoyed if I was them, you know? Um, what do you think about music videos? How important is a music video to you? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm half-half on that one. It all depends. I mean, once again, it's about flooding and with music videos, it's even easier to flood, so... You don't really want all your videos, just you and your homeboys, you know? You don't really want that. So it all depends. If you can be creative and you have something to tell. Now, a, a video or two is a must. Visuals always help take a song or give people a little bit more. So I would say a video or two is a must for a project or whatever the hell you know you're doing really 
um, even per year is whatever, but you just got to tell something. Because even if you're doing one video every six months, two video a year, if it's still you, your homeboys, especially the, the type of tracks those scenes usually are, are about, it's like how many people is doing that, right? Yeah, I completely relate, man. I'm not gonna lie to you. I I don't like most music videos personally. I mean, I understand what you're saying. Uh, when I create a visual, the song count goes significantly higher in terms of plays than if I just put up the audio. I actually did a test on my last release. Just I put up one on purpose that had no video just to see how bad it would do. It did pretty bad. I don't even think it broke a hundred. But uh, everything else I did, you know, went a little bit higher. Did a little bit better. When yeah. as long as I had a video, even a shitty video, <coughs> but. A shitty video doesn't do as well as a nice video. So I learned oh. about that too. And so I, you know. How shitty though? Oh, I wanted to test some shit, right? It was in the middle of like COVID. So I used the cell phone and I just made like a cell phone video and I was using like Facebook effects and shit. And like, it was really like, we put like very little effort into it. So it's oh. like ingenious. It's like, I guess like it gets points for like, you know, we couldn't legally go anywhere and do shit. At, like we couldn't link up. Yeah, yeah. And, but like, frankly, it was not as nice as the videos we filmed proper and had scenes cutting through and B shots and all that crap, you know, like that stuff really attracts people, even if it's a goofy video, even if like you don't do stuff. What I found is so one concept I did was I grabbed graffiti. I went around NDG and I just grabbed all the fucking graffiti in NDG, right? Because you, you live here. How much fucking graffiti is there? Yeah, Everywhere you not. look, there's a whole bunch. So like, uh, and then that just cut up my video and that had a crazy watch time. Like people were like more invested in that video than other stuff. So like, I hear what you're saying about being creative with it. Cause if you just do the same shit over and over and over, uh, I tried some shit with lyrics and over and over people get bored. They don't want to keep clicking. So you're, you're, you're spitting big facts on that. I really appreciate oh. that. So let's talk about social media a bit. Do you actively use social media to promote your stuff? Are you pro social media? Are you against it? I mean, you'd have to be an idiot not to be pro social media. I mean, that's the business. That's where the business is ran nowadays. I mean, unless you're trying, to, unless you have a connection, go straight to a label. Like if you know people and now if you know people that got the hookup for you, then you know, whatever, do you. But even those people, where are they gonna run it on social media? So you're just paying someone to do something that you could basically at least help yourself and a bit. But um pro social media definitely no choice. It's damn, it's it's a must. It's like having a music video. It's like having the actual track out. It's a must nowadays. Um, how do I promote? I usually do a little small Instagram promo through those, or I pay promoters to sort of help run my shit or whatever, whatever, usually. And me personally, with everything I just said, which is bad, like, um, no, it's once real. again, my, my, um, I stay away from people. So even social media, it's like the same thing. I'm not... If it's if it's not heavily music related, I tend to not be so for real not though, be like, on it, which is not good. I don't I don't know if I fully agree, right? Like is so like you want to be available for people to follow you and reach out to you, 
That yeah. doesn't mean you need to be there to reach out to people a thousand percent. I don't know if you catch my drift on that. So like you need to be available per se to a fan that might want to be like, yo, let me buy your shit. So that's a moment you want to be available on a social media. But like, I don't know. I went through all my, so I went through my Instagram and I deleted everything that wasn't related. I didn't follow everybody. Even people I knew, I was like, look, you're all on my Facebook, fine. Facebook's whatever. But I don't think I really need the distraction of all this bullshit that I don't care about on Instagram. So I got I've rid been of, contemplating that also. So I got rid of like, and it's not like a, you can't reach out to me. Some of these people still follow me and shit. But I'm like, listen, I, I, I really like I have like four or five hundred music related people on my Instagram. And that already feels like a lot. But I'm like, you know what? It's probably like you don't want them to not see you following them and shit. You know, you know how yeah. it is with music people. So fine, I'll keep yeah, the music. Finished. I'll keep the music stuff, but like I realized there's just so many other avenues it's distracting and shit. So I got rid of a lot of it. Facebook is different because like, I don't know. I've been using Facebook for like ever. It just feels like my life is in Facebook. So I'm just cool with it. But what about like shit like TikTok? No, no. I mean, look, it, um, Personally, no, it's just, it's not TikTok. I don't know. I, I really with all that extra dancing and all that extra. And I know it's not just for dancing, but it's a little bit, I don't know, bro. It's, it's, it's a little bit much, but, um, but <laughs> it's valuable. I like your perception on that. The only thing I can say that's cool on TikTok that might interest you. Cause I started fucking around on it. Um, watching tiktoks first of all is really fun not making tiktoks watching tiktoks is weird you hate it at first and then the next thing you know you love it but what i found out is they do this shit like duets um so where it got interesting is like there'll be a beat maker and they'll throw a beat up and then you go fucking bust a little 60 second on it and then he'll like share it or like you know the guy token he's a rap a rapper on youtube if you don't know him he's quasi famous like i'd say c level maybe b level he's, he's a guy a lot of whatever so he's done this shit where it's like he raps half the fucking verse so it's like he spits like two lines then he leaves a pause for you to spit two lines then he spits the next little bit so there's a bit of this little ecosystem that's starting to carve out where artists are using tiktok in innovative ways would you yeah. see yourself being open to jumping on some shit like that as opposed well, to because yeah. you know, i'm not down for the dancing really either I don't no, mind, like, I'm, some... I'm down for progress. I'm down for progress. So, like I said, like before, lack of information is the only thing that stops me from moving forward. So, so now that I've gotten that information, I'm gonna definitely check up on that and see see what's good. Cause you know, it's whatever, whenever, however, I'm with it. I love the way you said that, dude. Because honestly, I do believe that's the mentality that it like takes to do that. And not everyone I talk to is is like willing to just be like, "Fuck it, that makes sense. That's an opportunity." Like, I haven't gotten on to doing these duets yet because I've been kind of busy with this shit. But uh, it's basically, like, I feel like what I do do is I capture videos of shit of acapellas or stuff. Like, I do these Facebook contests. So, I don't know if you do those shits, but there's these Facebook yeah. contests. You can drop a 16 bar and win cash. But really, I do it so I can wrap a 16 bar and put it on my Instagram and then upload a little thing to TikTok and then put it out like that. Is it super effective? I don't fucking know. But it definitely it looks like you're fucking doing more than if you're, you know, there. And it's fucking easy content because it's not, like, fucking all that sounds. But, like, that's how I feel like this shit is going to end up going because, yo, know, everybody's a rapper, right? So, like, 
the, the game the game is kind of changing a bit right like uh, like there's there's no way that like all of us can become millionaires and shit in the way that uh, i think a lot of us would like but i think a lot of us can become hundred thousand dollars i mean i think look i think a millionaire will be attainable but a millionaire won't mean the same thing when it is like it won't be like what it was because the world's in a fucking weird place so like what i think it's gonna be is like a lot of us get to eat off of music one day a lot of us get to eat off of music more than i think people are even aware of because your shit's changing right here I'm, i'm talking to you on twitch right like this is an alternate way to promote my whole brand honestly this is a way to get people kind of interested in me beyond music right so it's not just sharing links. Yeah. you build up a little buzz i go do some shit like write my next album on twitch i don't know if it works or not it's a thing to test out a couple of homeboys are fucking around with freestyling and shit but yo, all of a sudden, a motherfucker comes through and he goes, yo, I like this. And then he hits a little subscribe button. And now every month I get 250 American off of this guy. And then I get 20, 30 of those people, 50 of those people. And I'm not like saying it's easy, but I think a lot of us can get 100 people to back us like that. A lot of us yeah. really could. And that goes, yo, this is a different game than it used to be. Because with all the tools out there, people can just subscribe to us. I don't know if you've looked into that at all or how you even feel about that as an idea. No, but all that goes back to why the social media is so important because there's money to be made in multiple ways, shapes, and forms. You have to get out there and you have to make it. Then there's money to be made for everybody that's waiting to eat. And 100% on what you said, of course, not everybody's going to be a millionaire. Shoot, not everybody might hit half a mil even, but there's money out there. If you move right and you do the right things, there's there's money out there and it's forever money too. So big facts. Um, so outside of music, what kind of stuff are you into? <laughs> oh fuck. That's a hard question. I didn't do that. I, I, that's fine. I, mean, I, 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 get, I get money. Uh, I can definitely change it. Um, fuck, music. That's all I do. Like, literally, it's literally about some paper. I'm in the studio. That's literally all I got time for right now. I definitely appreciate that. I think that kind of ethic is important. And I think it's important that people realize it. Like, actually, like, fucking wrote a bar today, something in the vein of, like, fucking, you need to get paid. Like, you need a fucking job. Like, or I wrote something about it. Like, it's however you get money, whatever, but you need a way to have income. Because without income in your life, you can't pursue music. Uh, One of the harshest lessons I've learned over the last, like, three, four years is there's no way around spending money in this game. And without having without having money you don't really get the team like you said you paid for promo and i'm like yo that's normal like you pay for promo one way or another i just did a contest i gave out 500 dollars. that's just the same thing in a different way right i mean i'm choosing to go about it like this but i also have to realize that yo if y'all are willing to pay for promo and that becomes the stakes of promotion so that means you have to be able to put up money in some way or another and it is it's a million ways to do it right like personally i don't want to do certain things 
because they're not going to be in line with my bigger goals perhaps right but at the end of the day uh paying for shit is really important like i just read the gucci main book and like everything in his life that he had all of his success came from the ability to put up the money to pay for this feature to get that thing and all the yeah. famous people are like yeah you can work with me if you pay yeah. and that's just even if they fuck with you famous yeah. people will still be like that because that's how it is and if you can't get those bigger moves in place if you can't find a way to connect with bigger people than you in this pond it's, it's kind of challenging to move up in this world yeah, money build things. bridges man money build bridges it's true so like um how did you end up linking up with stretch because i know that that guy and you guys are working together i know him since i since i got here still mm. i've known him since i got here i was doing music he saw me one day and yeah we just yeah we linked up from there he wanted to do it and been doing music ever since man that's that's my homie that's fine still that's fair man so what are kind of, how do you feel COVID has impacted your ability to create music? Do you feel like it's been an asset or a detriment to your life? And, um, I'd say an asset music-wise, honestly. You know, everything is slow. Everybody's inside, you know. Ain't nobody calling me to go nowhere, do nothing. So mm. I'm in the studio 24-7. That's fucking great. <laughs> So what's uh what's coming in the next little bit for you? What kind of stuff is happening in the future? Like, do you have any plans for twenty twenty one? Uh, twenty twenty one. I'm trying to, I'm trying to hit the brink of flooding the market. I'm trying to drop as much as I can drop without you know, without dropping too much, and that's that's really. I'm just trying to work like, trying to outwork everyone. Trying to do it smart, but I wanted um, yeah. This year I wanted I wanted facts. I want to drop the most vids. I want to drop the most singles. I want to drop the most tapes. I I don't even want it close, and that's that's a personal goal. So how many things do you plan on releasing? Because that sounds like a pretty ambitious goal. And there's some people here that can put out some volume. This volume, volume, yeah. Yeah, maybe good volume. Yeah. Okay, I hear you. So what you want to have is the perfect formula to drop the right amount of stuff to elevate yeah. your shit and push stuff to another level. That's what I'm saying. I want the perfect blend of um of um obviously the hardest working artist here without without over flooding. Okay, I understand what you mean. So, and that's just, that's that's not even. Uh, I'm looking at anybody else per se. Like I'm looking at what? No, it's just I want to work so hard and drop so much and do so much that it's 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 yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate that. I feel like it's a powerful goal to have, and I love the competitive side of it. Like. I mean, at the end of the day, if you look throughout the history of hip hop, the competition is real. Like, if you think back to where it starts in New York, it's guys in the streets like, bro, I hear you rap. Let's fucking go. Like, it's just at the core and the Sounds element like. of it is the drive to be the best. Like, 
absolutely i have aspirations of you know going out there and doing nothing you know and trying to win it but i'm old so i'm also okay winning in different ways that are not so much music's fun for me i don't care if my that own your vote, man. that's what it is like it's uh but i love the hunger and i love the passion man i love the idea of it like honestly what inspires you musically like who are the people that you find nowadays that you're drawn to in terms of sound i i try to avoid music nowadays i mean that's um i really try to avoid music nowadays because it's like the cliche thing to say nowadays like oh this guy's copying off me this guy is like people can't wait to be like oh look 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 he sound like me look i said this line he said that line so hmm. I, I really try to avoid listening to to too much um of anything and i definitely definitely try to avoid any influence um i'm not trying to forcefully create a sound i've been like i said i've been doing music for a while right so i sound like me fuck i sound like vava and i try to keep that you know i think you have a cool sound honestly if i had to say <clears throat> you were, i felt like a bit of like and only because I don't know a lot about the world, but there was like this young thug creativity going on. Not to say you sound like young thug, cause sonically, yeah. but in that in the realm of how you use effects and the spacey, emotional vibes coming off, and I, I thought it was really fucking cool, cause that guy's an extremely talented dude for all the hate he receives. That's right. It's an honor to even mention me in that category when you're mentioning on um, talent and execution. So so respects on that facts. Man, I felt like on the real like. I mean, there's not a lot of people, I think, that can really see, like, there's parts where, like, you would take a flow, and you would build it up, and then you would have, like, your main flow, but then you would do shit, like, double it a couple of times here and there, and, like, just little tricks like that that you would do that, like, I feel like we're just more advanced than the average version of this. Like, you're not, you're not static. I don't like melodic trap and all of that shit. Uh, when it's super static, I don't even know if it's melodic trap. I'm not actually good with my hip hop subgenres, um, but like that whole world, it's only really good to me when it's alive, when it's like a Travis Scott experience. And I feel like in that realm, you you totally play there, and it's very grandiose, and I like the sound of it. Where do you get beats from and all that? Um, I have a couple in-house um, beat makers. Um, stretchy, stretchy's fire. My boy, stretchy's fire. He has a couple years under his belt, more than a couple years, like a good four or five. But um, that that boy, that boy don't play with them potting pants for real. Um, I so agree. yeah. Uh, I, I like his, I like his stuff. I've had his track "Cup of Tea" on my playlist for a minute, and uh, I listened to a bunch of his beats uh, last week, uh, just because he had produced for the other dude. And so I was listening to his production work, and I'm like, "Yo, stretch is stretch is really fucking good, like, yeah. like really like at a tier of talent with these beats, where I don't Lacks. think people understand that that guy is a hit maker, and the production. Lacks. Look, when we were listening to your sound before, as much as your talent is there, it was more like, not to take away from you, but your engineering team is ridiculously good at what they do." Uh, so I just wanted to give a lot of love to your engineers and uh, sure. because I don't know who they are, to be honest. I don't know where you record all that good stuff, but whoever the fuck you're fucking with, 
understands how to make you sound fucking amazing. I know, little E.T. in the building. Sorry? Hello, E.T., that's my boy. That's what's up. Yo, it's fucking remarkable. And that's that's also on you, right? Because at the end of the day, you had to pick the guy to work with. You had to choose the right person. So, like, it's, yeah, yeah. it's just as much on you as it is on him because it's teamwork and shit. But, yo, man, your engineering is fucking blessed. I love the fact that you... So, you work with local producers? Yeah, I try my best. You still there? Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. yeah, man. Cool, it's good. Uh, yeah, I said, cool. yeah, I try my best to work with local producers, keep it in-house. That's dope, man. So let's talk about teams. So from what I understand, you started off doing a whole bunch of stuff on your own, right? Yeah. And as time went on, you started delegating. So you started, like, passing off the work. So how important is that to you? How easy or hard is that? Like, because you said you're, like, just because I think a lot of people are trying to take on too much these days. Everybody's trying to, like, handle everything. But I don't think it's really possible to handle everything, everything. So that's why when you said that, I wanted, you know, I thought it was interesting. And it would be cool if you could expand on it a little bit more. Um, yeah, sure. Um, before I say how important it is to get your team, I'm going to give a caution or warning. Because anybody you have on your team, especially as an artist, when you're, let's say, you're putting money up, you're putting time you're literally giving piece of your life away. So you got to be very careful which people you put on your team and what you delegate to who. Now, with that being said, yeah, it's almost unrealistic to think you can do it on your own because just something as simple as the amount of songs you can make is shortened if you have to be online talking to promoters and you have to be the one engineering and you have to be making the beats and you have to go talk to that guy and do this and do that. It's just, just, just off making the music alone. And we're not talking about the stress, the confusion, the, the burnout eventually that you're going to get. And mm. it's, it's easier to take a L as a team. That's just facts. You know, it's easier to take a L where my boy did this. I did that. It didn't work we sit down together and we come up with a new plan, then it is to be like, I had all this on my shoulder and I fucked up completely. Now, now you, you get what I'm saying? It almost feels unrepairable when you're dolo, but when you have a team, it's, it's, it's just a lot simpler and you're a lot more focused as an artist. And if yeah. that's really what you want to be, then, you know, that's some big time knowledge nuggets there. Just that like a uh, psychological front, right? Like the idea that, Losing as a team is an easier thing than losing on your own. Now, I was a solo player for a very, very, very long time. And that was a big mistake. It didn't work with anybody and everything fucked up and then you feel really shitty about it. So when you roll into the part where you start adding people to your team and shit and y'all start fucking around and it's like, you know what? Maybe you might lose a thing here or there, but other people have ideas you don't. And other people often will also point out what went right that you don't see. All your yeah. good shit that you did that you're not going to see in yourself. Because usually when you had those bad moments, you just don't see the good shit that actually accomplished. I like a lot what you just said there. That's right. Um, I've, had, I've had projects that I was going to cancel. I was like, no, I'm not feeling ta da 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 or I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. And it's my homeboy that... Um, but look at it from this angle if you so and so and so you know it's always good to have that 
that you know that other person to give you that second opinion mm. that's big facts um when it comes down to like stuff like the future future where do you think music is going with shit like vr and live shows and all of that I know that there's no way to really know and everyone's going to have different opportunities, but how do you see yourself leveraging technology versus in real life events as the future unfolds? Um, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, I never thought of that. I go where the money at. So whatever is the new wave, whatever is the new thing that they're using and that's how you make the money, That's that's just... And never mind just the money. I I want my music to be heard beyond the money. Of course, the money is one of the big representation of how successful you are in the music business. But first and foremost, I want my music to be heard. So mm. whatever means, VR, however, is the best way possible. Um, that's all I'm going to get out. You got to change with, that's the thing about this music, man. You got to change with the times, you know? So, like, I know that the times are changing because celebrities are doing some fucking shit that is making too much money to ever go back. And like you said, I, I like to yeah, follow the money. Yeah, like, following the money is fascinating. So, uh, what is it? Dua Lipa did this show. And, Pardon? Uh, Dua for Lipa. the future? No. For the future show? No, no, no. I mean, like, the, the artist Dua Lipa, she did a show. Okay. Recently in uh, the, the pot, whatever. My, my, my dude on Facebook was talking about it. And he was in bed. It cost him like what, 20, 40 bucks. He got this live stream to his phone. He ordered some food. He smoked a bat. He watched a concert in perfect high definition and they did all sorts of cut and shit. And you know what he realized? That was a good fucking time. That was yeah. a great time. I'm personally, that sounds like a bunch better. Like, look, I love a good live show. I want like three of them a year. You know, like I'm talking about as a concert goer. Like, to be in the middle of a crowd. Like, I'll do, like, two or three a year, you know? But yeah. I don't really want to do that most of the time. I'd actually rather spend that $10 and fucking, like, watch a feed of my favorite band on the internet and support them like that, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, like I said, times are changing, well. I mean, anything people can do easier. There's so much. Compared to back then, there's so much to do and so much to get into and so much to learn and people are trying to do things as easy as comfortable as possible to get on to the next thing so yeah definitely things like that are going to be big and that's where the money at that's where you'll find me at so i like that a lot i like the fact that you're like i don't necessarily know what it is but i'm gonna go where i need to be to be there and that tells me that you're in for some fucking promising shits in the future um I don't know. Uh, so, what else? Do you have anything else that you have going on in your world? Do you guys fuck with merch and all that shit? Merch? No. We're getting into that this year. Um, actually, right now, we were um, with Stretchy, and I said I had the guys are running the label. Um, we were working on a couple artists trying to find some real in-house artists for... Um, um, the studio besides um, besides the guys that are actually part of it. And um, from there, once we have a solid group team of actual musicians, we plan to print out the shirts with the merch. Um, mm -hmm. Each um, individual artist can get his own little individual, you know, whatnot on it. And from there, we'll move on. But we're really trying to perfect the team first. 
trying to get the team ready. So when we take that next step, we're all fully ready and we know what we're doing, you know, who's going left, who's going right type shit. I really like what you said there. And I think it's really important because um, within that, there's some knowledge nuggets. Um, I really, I'm trying to build up my team. I'm trying to grow this shit, right? Like just potential in what we're doing here. Uh, it could pop off like into a point where if you fall into money, sometimes you have to pivot, right? And do the things yeah, that yeah. make sense for that moment. Um, but then you have to start working with people and shit. And sometimes people want to go fast and want to do everything real fucking quick. And you're trying to get like, you're like, yo, bro, like, hold up, hold up, hold up. I still got to like do that thing from last Tuesday and whatnot. You know, like you got to actually yeah. get your foundation in order and put it all together. Um, so like how, so do you guys have like so you guys are basically building a label or a group in, in a sense i wouldn't say a label necessarily right not necessarily we're not too we're not too deep into signing anyone right now and to be honest it really started with us wanting to wanting to lessen the burden on ourselves and also help other artists that may be having the same issue because it wasn't it was main, mainly beats when we started when we came with the idea because one of the issues we had or Montreal still has I guess is a lot of the artists are using online beats and that could come back to bite you that also prevents us from building our own sound when all the beats you're getting or sounds from somewhere else. So we was like, if we, nobody else is really as focused on it that we know of. So if there's somebody else out there, you know, there's whatever. A couple. but, um, so we decided, yeah, it was mainly the beats, but we also wanted a spot. Once we had the spot ready for the beats, we was like, yeah, you know, we might as well go all the way, but it's not a, not really a trying to label thing right now. We're just focused on our music and trying to help other artists that, may need help know a little bit less than we do need a feature need a beat and we got you yo i love what you're saying man because there's people that are gonna watch this that probably are struggling with some of this shit plus yo we had sammy c pop up in the chat while you were talking about how people use youtube beats and that doesn't cultivate a sound and she's like wow that's true and you got some people like <clears throat> all right actually hearing what you're saying man because what you just yeah. said resonated heavy with me dude talking about the montreal scene and again i don't want to go into names and all that bullshit right because it is what it is but like the facts about the montreal scene is when we talk about the sound you have a huge fucking point one of the main things i want to do with this channel is find all the producers and put them up here on the channel so that rappers can in the same way that you're doing looking for people and opportunities i want to be like yo montreal like stop going to fucking youtube like here's the thing i don't know if you know who don dada is but he's a producer from montreal a long time um and he was up on my channel the other day and he was telling me straight up that anybody can use his beats and they can even put it out as a remix and he'll approve it on Spotify and shit if they like credit it right for yeah. free. And if you make money one day, we'll talk then. And he puts any one of his beats on Spotify right now. People can just go fucking use. And I'm yeah. telling people that because this is a Montreal fucking producer. First of all, he's extremely talented. Second of all, he's Montreal, the fucking core. He's been in the scene since like 2005 or some shit. And it's like, yeah. yo, like, why are we not leveraging this shit? Like, how do you define a sound if you're looking for a so-and-so type beat? You know, like, it's a weird... I never it's got a... that. I never got that. I never, I never, 
Me neither, man. I know that that even when I used to look for beats on YouTube when I was I used to try to like I told you, I always tried not to listen and not to be influenced by, you know, other people. But it is what it is. I first of all, let me just be clear to anybody that may be watching, I'm not talking about anyone specifically. I don't know none of you niggas. (laughs) But moving on. Um it's everybody's trying their best. I don't really hold anybody against it. It's everybody's trying their best. Like I said, you know, if you know better, you do better. So it is what it is. Everybody's doing the best that they can with what they got and with as much as they know. I doubt anybody is intentionally making moves that they think or believe is going to sabotage their chances. So that's why I'm not too harsh on it. You know, it is what it is. But that's the main reason we opened um we opened, um, we, we tried to open the, the little studio thing is to, to help those that either don't know, you know? But I think that's really more. what it comes down to is a lot of people just don't know. And there's not, yeah. like, I have to admit that in my age group, a lot of us maybe didn't do as much as we would have liked to create an ecosystem of love. I don't know. I don't know how to frame it. There's a lot of people out there doing amazing things and then there's a lot of stuff that didn't work out. But all I know is there's a lot of unhappy people. So I'm trying to not be unhappy people. But what I see is when it comes down to it is everyone's so worried about shit. But it's like the beat makers going, bro, you just had to ask. And the rapper never thought to ask. And I'm like, huh. It's like these little dots. So if you're a rapper and you're sitting there, and I know because I used to be this guy once upon a time back when I was younger and shit, right? And you're sitting there looking at these fucking free beats and these leases from Amino Domini for $20. Like, I remember one time I leased a beat. Like, I spent $80 because I did this contest. I said, fuck it. And then somebody heard that shit and said, I know that's a Jija beat. And I'm like, oh, you, like, know where I got the beat. Not yeah, just like right away. And right away. Even my dude had altered it and shit. Nah, he heard it one time. And I'm like, okay. I kept the song because fuck that. I put money into it. But, like, <clears throat> I never did it again. For me, it was like, nah. Now, I did one project with a dude from Alabama, but otherwise, everything's pretty much Montreal in my life. Yeah. Everything's nah, Montreal. It's a whole different thing. Um, it's a whole different thing if you're doing a feature and that's what, you know, that yeah. person came with. Like, that's that person sounding you're featured on it, so you're a guest, so you follow house rules. But um, when, when I say that, I'm thinking about, you know, artists from here that represent here. It's just, it's very hard to hear someone says, oh, damn, that sounds like a guy from Montreal when the beat is supposed to be a, a, a fucking Atlanta nigga type beat. You know, it's just, like, it's very hard. What I like about what you're saying with that is um, the history of the music matters. And in order to define um, a cultural sound, like you actually can't be just jacking other people's cultural identity. And so one of the troubles I have with a lot of artists is I can hear too frequently, and I think this is to what you're kind of going to, I can hear it so clearly which mainstream artists they sound the most alike. Now, I know I used Young Thug to describe you a little bit, but it's only because like he's so out there as an artist and he's so versatile, but he's extremely talented and uses effects. That's as far as the comparison went to me. You really like... In general, like, I felt like your sound was just cool. Like, right? Like, but it kind of, like, listen, I don't know what Montreal sound is, but, like, I mean, if your shit's going to resonate with Montreal, then that's really what the sound is. But I know yeah. one thing 
is if you're going to sound like Atlanta, then why are they not going to listen to Atlanta? That's, yeah. that's that's my feelings again. Like I'm Everybody not even hating. DOG. People can do what they choose because every at the end of the day, if you like, look, some people have said to me, "Look, I don't have the money, so I did what I had to do. When I got the money, I flipped up." And I'm like, "Fair enough, do what you got to do." Like I'm not going to yeah. judge people for choosing tactics that I don't understand or that I personally wouldn't do. But from my perception, which I can put out into the world, is that by focusing so heavily on Billboard's charts which don't feature Montreal, it's not going to help you define Montreal. So when I hear you say about the city, but sounding like somebody else, I resonate with that. I'm not saying I'm about the city, but I can tell you my main beat makers in Montreal, born and raised or born and whatever. Close enough. I think it was in Quebec, at least Quebec, you know, like at least here. Yeah, yeah. So, like, to me, that's important shit. And I'm glad that we're even talking about this because sometimes it is really important to discuss the cultural side of our city, right? Like, yeah. I don't think we're crossing lines. I don't think we've done anything that is going to be taboo or anything. But I think it's interesting that you framed it in a way of defining a sound. And by working with people from here, you can define a sound from here. And as much as everyone thinks everyone wants money, that's not entirely true. All you have to do is build a relationship with a beat maker and you can work around dollars sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Respect his time, he'll respect yours, and we all build together. That's just how it works. So yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, what else? Uh, anything else on your mind that you want to share with the fine peoples out there? Uh, chocolate and Kleenex. I've been waiting the most about this shit. It's 100% clean. I just wanted to let everybody know out there that was something I worked really hard on to make sure all oh, the shit, songs eh? were 100% clean. Dude, that's really cool. Why? Yeah. Um, one, I wanted the challenge just to, 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 I wanted the, fuck. I wanted the songs to be pure, for lack of a better word, like not too, not rough. I wanted the, you to receive them gently. So I wanted everything clean and smooth and as simple as possible. So that was the main thing. Mm. I like your focus on accessibility. This is something that actually really matters a lot to me. And I feel like it's a consistent theme in what we've talked about you. Like, something I ask myself a question is, what's the point in writing clever shit if nobody ever hears it or figures it out? Like, am I the kind of guy that really wants to write something so fucking whatever that two people figure out, you know? Or do I want to actually have songs that people hear? Yeah. And, I fe- and I'm like, and I feel like you managed to do it in a way where your art wasn't compromised. I really, really enjoyed those two projects. Uh, I wouldn't say they're my go-to, but let's say I had a girl around. Let's say I was single, because I'm not single. But if I was single, right, and I was trying to get laid, I would throw on your chocolate and Kleenex. And then if I was with the dudes, I would throw on the other project. And no I think choice, for sure. sure that you're like that. That's so what it was for. Did you have like a specific girl in mind? Is it like a real story or is it just like a combination of feelings? Because it feels like your music is based on a little bit more than just the vapid nothings of life. Nah, no caps in my raps, but uh, all jokes aside, uh, um, 
mainly one girl. Okay. But there was a few other girls that brought up other emotions that I had to, you know. But mainly one girl, mainly. It's usually that one that gives you all your problems. So, fuck. I think a lot of us have that in our life. And then one that we like, and it comes with a couple of other problems. And I say that knowing she's watching, so she just comments. (laughs) Nah, she gets gets it. She's wonderful. I love her. She's the greatest. I'm with her all day. Now we good. We good. I know how far I can go. I know the boundaries. All you have to do is know what the boundaries are, and you are okay. Yeah, yeah. You can dance around them. And then as long as you understand how to correct the situation if you go too far, which yeah, after years, you should know how to do. Then, uh, you are, see, she's throwing hearts up right now. See, she, she, she loves me. It's cool. Uh, Congrats. But, um, yeah, thank you. Um, so when it comes down to, um, I guess, like, other stuff, man. You into the Netflixes? Like, you into that, or is it just straight fucking grind? Um, no. I'm, I don't know what you call that. I'm into anime heavy. Yeah, that's cool, man. I'm anime heavy. So, I mean, I know it seems, like, weird to talk about, but believe it or not, the people, like, who watch interviews love this shit. They like the regular stuff. They like hearing yeah. about which animes you care about. I'm not the hugest anime guy, but I can hold my own enough to know what a couple are. Which are your favorite animes? Which would you recommend? The greatest anime of all time, One Piece. One Piece, chapter 1000 out right now. Which one is it? Like, what is it about? One Piece, a pirate boy wants to be king of the pirates, be the most freest man out there in the sea. Interesting. Freedom's a beautiful thing. Yo, man, the way you said that was so poetic, dude. Like, you just got me, like, fucking interested in it. But I love the like, you chose that. Like, that's fucking cool, dude. So, but why, so it's really this, the subject matter, like, the core theme that attracts you to it over other things? Yeah, or? It's, um, yeah, no, it's fun. It's, it's always, I don't know, anime is a good distraction from reality, first of all. And, um, yeah, it's fun, bro. Like no, no, no weird shit. You learn a lot of like real life lessons if you if you actually open your mind to learn something instead of just Ooh. watching a cartoon. But there, there's a lot of real stuff in there about not giving up, fighting for whatever you want. You know, fuck the world. He's nuts. Like, a lot of shit out there for real. That's really cool, man. No, and I really like that you said that because like um, I'm into fantasy, like shit, like The Witcher. And shit like that. Yeah. And uh, I've seen The Witcher, Blast. And I like the fact that, um, like, I'm reading the books right now, and uh, they really explore a lot of shit like racism. Like, really fucking yeah. vividly, too. Like, they talk about, like, a lot of shit like that. Like, like the Jamaican revolt level, revolt level of, like, explicit detail of how shit goes down. But they talk about, like, elves and humans and shit. So because now it's elves and humans, you can say whatever the fuck you want, and nobody's going to yeah. think twice. Um, but yeah, so I just like, I really appreciate that kind of like metaphorical thing. So I think it's important that when you consume that kind of media to like, look for those kind of lessons in it, because a lot of it does have it. That's fucking smart, man. That's really fucking cool. Um, fair enough, man. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what else to ask at this point. 
I don't know. What else do you have on your mind? What do you? What else is? What are you feeling right now? I'm sure I'll come up with other shit. Uh, nothing. I'm, I'm liking the interview, man. It's actually, honestly, it's way, it's fun, for lack of a better word. It almost feels like, you know, sitting here talking to uh, a new friend, you know, a homeboy you haven't seen in a while, you know, just catching up. It's, it's blessed, too. I'm liking the way you're doing your thing, though. Yeah, I appreciate that, man, honestly. Because, like, at the same time for me, it's also, like, I'm meeting a bunch of people I don't fucking know. And so, like, it's new. This is new, man. Uh, the whole thing, but like I, I like your energy, dude. I think you're, uh, you're an insightful guy. It may, I'm happy that we're having this conversation, cause my, my, my goal with every conversation is to try to use our life experiences to teach people a couple of things or two along the way. Even just the idea of combing through Facebook events to look for opportunities by yourself. Like, look, maybe, maybe you can't do it ten hours a week. But you can do it one hour a week, you know, like you can do that. Everyone can go do that for themselves. And that creates a new opportunity down the line. Whereas otherwise you would have just sat there at home and done fucking nothing or whatever. So just that like, just that at that level, that idea of like blew my mind when you said it. Like I was tripping a little bit inside. Like I felt like one of those, damn, I wish I had known that. Yeah. Um, there's, you, there's no excuse, man. Even um, like I'm saying this to the people out there. Uh, do it whenever you can. If mm. It's better you try, you say, I'm going to do it, and then you do it once every week, then you just decide, well, I'm only doing it one hour every week, so fuck it, I might as well try. The point is, you got to just get up and do something. So if mm. you can do, if you can hit up one person once a month starting, eventually maybe you can boost that up to two three a month and next thing you're looking you're messaging a couple fifty hundred people in a month but you just got to get up do something like a lot yeah. of people like to wait for the perfect you know like oh wait when this is ready when that is ready i sound like that college commercial guy but this is facts oh, that's uh, exactly know? what you it is you gotta get up and do it though um so first of all, I just want to shout out Lindell Williams. This guy's a patron of ours, and he's in the comments here. And he said, this is where I would say it comes to making songs and albums. You write it in a way that would draw the audience to you, which is completely in line with what you were saying. So Lindell's on the same wave. And to do this, you give the audience a little of what they would be familiar with, mixed with your cup of tea. And I fucking like that. He's on the same wavelength with you. Um, but I just wanted to say what you just said fucking hit so heavy with me. Let me tell you a little bit about 2020 for me. I, uh, well, 2019, I started doing some interviews. I got a little run. Three, four people came through. It felt real nice. And then it went dry. Like, nobody wanted to come to NDG or something. Like, somehow NDG is like the dark fucking hole. Yo, love it. I'm going to spark another one. That's what it is. I uh, rolled a few before I came in this one. But, um. Pre-rolled. That's what's up. Yo, you know what happened, dude? Here's what happened. I used to go and perform a lot back in the day, uh, 2012 to 2016. And I had this weird weird observational moment. And even a little bit before then when I partied a bit. There was always weed. Like copious amounts of weed at this shit. And there was never papers. So you'd have weed everywhere. Like an ounce, two ounces of weed in the room. And not a paper. I'm not talking one event, dude. I'm talking everything. I'm talking everywhere I go. Rappers is weed. And that they never have papers. And then the obviously, the I don't know, it's weird. But then the store is closed. So you can't get papers. So I'd be standing there smoking my joint. 
I'm like, motherfuckers, like, yo, you want to put in? And I'm like, nah, man, I rolled my shit before I came. Because I rolled like three, four, five, whatever, and I walk out the door because, again, like, I can't roll a fucking joint standing on the side of a building or some shit, whatever. But, yo, I'm saying straight up, man. Motherfucker. So I got into the habit of doing that. So, and it's also faster if you just roll, like, a lot of weed at one time. Then yeah, you can well, chop it up like that. Moment. That's it. Like, you yeah. watch some TV or whatever, you roll up a bunch of shit. Yeah, all that to, but, like, all I have to say, like, 2020, uh, comes around and for some fucking reason i don't know what it is positive negative whatever motherfuckers um just decide they don't want to do interviews no more i don't know maybe it was winter maybe winter had kicked in and now coming to ndg is a big deal fair enough i don't know so i go and i create a show partner with a make a wish we're gonna do a little show so i make a few friends along the way whatever and then covid really hits Fine. I guess now it's even more complicated to do the interviews, so it's fucking whatever. But I'm begging people all year, posting. Nobody fucking wants to hit me up. Nobody. And then all of a sudden, November hits. And I don't know. I did the right one, two people. And I'm fucking already booked all the way into February. Straight up, dude. So, like, literally what you're saying is exactly how they shit fucking played out for me with this interview shit in my life. And it's fucking nuts because it really was, like... You kept trying, you keep trying, you keep trying, you keep doing your thing like that. And, and then, then uh, all of a sudden there's momentum and you're having conversations like this. Like, yo, straight up, dude. Um, there's that Andre Ambohemier lady. She's fucking making huge moves in this city. She fucking liked this fucking video on Facebook that's streaming of this interview. I don't know if she's watching it or not. But it's like, yo, man, look at that. That probably maybe unlocked an opportunity down the line just because we're having yeah. this conversation, dude. So yeah, it's sir. like this domino effect of fucking networking and shit. But yo, hold up. We got a conver- we got a couple of questions from the comments, so I think we're gonna have to, to move those over to you for a quick second. This no is uh, from your lady friend Bonnie. What's the best advice you'd give to past you? To what? A past version of you, like young you. If you were to meet yourself, what would you? Me? Yeah. Um. Learn the business part of the music business as soon as possible. As mm. soon as possible. Learn the business part. Um. I'm not. I don't regret how in love I was with the music. But my, my, I would say my passion and my understanding wasn't as balanced as it should have been. So okay. definitely learn the business part because it is music business. Now, if you just want to do music for you and you just want to re- and there's no goals, no, you just want to have music out there, then never mind me. But if the goal is to get somewhere, do something, then learn the business part right away. That's a huge fact, man. <clears throat> I agree entirely. Uh, personally, I was stubborn for a long time. And what I mean by that is uh, I wanted to do it my way. It wasn't necessarily that I didn't want to learn the business. It's that I didn't realize that business was about realizing that other people have opinions too. And that other people want yeah. different things. So, uh, yo, your lady friend Bonnie said, so smart, love your answer. So, yo, respect, respects. But yeah, it's true though, because like even with podcasting, so like in November, I started podcasting and while Lindell Williams, who's right there, whose question we're going to get to next has been ride or die since 2017. I love that guy. 
The truth of the matter is I made so many bad choices because I refused to listen to people. And then when I started listening to people, great things started happening in my life. And then I started realizing that a lot of business is listening to at least what your audience or what the people, you know, like music fans. Like if you're making music, care about what the fans care about and shit, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, anyway, so I like what your answer to. I thought it was really cool. And then uh, Lindell says, uh, I know this may sound repetitive, but who inspires you or because he wasn't here for the early part. Uh, so who does your. Uh, look up to the most and do you have a top five uh, list of rappers so who inspires you the most and do you have like a top five top five top five is my first and that that was just that was literally the first artist I heard which would be Pac like I told you that was my homeboy that was the first artist first hip hop everything so that would be that um, then then we're going into just pure skills. You got the Jay-Z's, you got the Lil Wayne's. Um, fuck, who else should I have up there? I need two more niggas. God damn. <laughs> um, I put Kanye up there just off work ethic and talent alone. Very interesting. Um, um, one more nigga? God damn. Um, top five, one more minute. Fuck, I don't know. That's about it. I got four for you. That's all I got. I can't, can't think of anyone that I really, cause like I said earlier, maybe um you wasn't here, but I really tried to avoid listening to too much rap, too consistently, too heavily, cause I don't want to be too heavily influenced by anyone. So I have a couple guys I listen to here and there, inspiration and whatnot. But overall, I try to keep to myself. So when it comes down to like the local scene, who are the people that you roll with rather than anybody negative, negative, who are some of the people that you love? And that's just who you love, you know? Love? Um, or like, enjoy, whatever word is best and apt. I don't know. I watch different stuff. I'm not going to be, I've, I can't pick out anyone. I've seen a whole bunch of stuff. Like there's a whole bunch of artists out in the city that's definitely doing their thing. But I don't know. There, there's a whole bunch of good artists. Like I can't pinpoint because, like I told you, it's it's what I said earlier about mainstream artists. I have it even a bit harder for artists in the city because we're all trying to come up, and I don't want anybody getting the wrong idea. So I really man, avoid. Man heavily listening to anyone but i've seen a whole bunch of multiple good tracks out there um and they do do their thing it all depends on what your flavor is i agree with that sentiment and i like how you answer that too that was really really well done you're gonna have a fucking promising career because yo you can handle questions dude i fucking enjoy that um <clears throat> yeah. I, I, I see you like like coming up with the fucking perfect exact way to formulate it i'm not trying to trap you or nothing i'm just like i really enjoy the conversation and i'm curious about shit because you know what you're not the only person i've spoken to who takes that stance i wouldn't say it's the majority but i work with this guy in alabama now he's a beat maker i met him on youtube he didn't have the internet According to him, I don't know how true this is. He hasn't heard new music since like 2000 or some bullshit. So we got really offended when I compared him to somebody one time. 
Uh, and it was like the same kind of shit. He doesn't want to listen to anything. He just wants to create his shit, have no influence, and have it be just like organically who he is and what he is, right? I've talked to a couple of artists in the city who take a very similar approach to you as well, where <clears throat> they don't want to have any influence from anyone else. They don't want to influence other people even. They just kind of want to do their thing and be known for doing their thing. So I don't think it comes off poorly uh, if you have the understanding of where it's coming from as an artist, right? Some artists, like myself, are horrors for new inspiration. I'm so okay with it because I'm inspired by like a fuck ton of sources, whatever. If you can trace the 27 people that inspired that song, good on you because it's going to be like 27 people that inspired that fucking song, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm okay with that. But I hear the issue being a little bit more in general when it's like two people that inspire the song and then it's like just you know it's not really your shit no more which it's not to say it's not your shit but the sound comes off a little bit more like and it's cool like yo listen i'm a white boy you think i didn't have my m&m face of course i have my m&m face dude everyone has the m&m face it's what it is you can't not you end up with the nasal voice you end up with all the shits and uh, then you end m&m up... is fire even a couple niggas had that m&m face that boy fire stills I like uh, a lot of his work. I wasn't a big fan of the new project, but I liked the one he dropped earlier in the year. And then I found out that all the people who liked the new project didn't like the one earlier in the year. And I realized there's just two groups of Eminem fans, so he made an album for each group. And I'm like, that's actually fucking smart. Like, at first I was being a bit of a hater with it, but then I'm like, nah, nah, I was wrong. Eminem's a fucking genius, and this is just not for me. And I fucking like that he did that. That was cool of him. Um... But yeah, no, so like I appreciate what you're saying though about like that. But then evolving into your own sound, yeah, it's it's a it's a complicated situation. But I respect how you approach it. I couldn't do it. I don't know how you do it. I'm like a whore for this music stuff, but I respect that you can hold out like that, you know, and just be so into your own element. That's fucking interesting to me. Yeah, it is. Like, just like as an artist hearing about another artist technique. So let's talk about how you write a song. There's actually a few more people here. Like the number just spiked up a little bit. I'm not even going to lie. So uh, how do you write a song? Tell us about that process for you. Um, most songs, most songs I let fuck, man. Because the thing about me and music, I've been doing this for a while. So when I speak about it, the stuff I say may sometimes sound cliche, but I kind of, the beat almost writes the track. I just vibe out to it. The beat is going to tell me what it wants, where it wants it. And, you know, I add a little bit of me in there. But the most important thing for a track is getting the flow and, um, you know, getting the flow right, when to jump, how to jump, when to leave, how to leave. And like I said, I've been writing for years. So the word part, it just naturally comes in. It's not even an issue. Um, Personally, I start with a chorus. Because that's, that's the heart and soul of any song for anybody that wasn't sure yet. Um, start with the chorus. Make sure it's um, solid. That's the foundation. That's the part that people hear the most. First part they catch. So mm-hmm. I usually start with that. Um, if there's a pre-hook, I might go next into the pre-hook because that kind of prepares you for the chorus. And then the verse is just, I, I tell the truth on whatever the topic is. Because once I have the hook down, I have the foundation. I know what I'm supposed to say on the verse. So it's easy to just get in there and tell the truth, you know? 
Yo, I relate he heavy to that actually. That's a fucking interesting point because then it kind of structures your song. So like the way I've always looked at it is, a, I mean, I, maybe I'm wrong, you know, but the way I've always looked at it is like a song is almost like an essay. And like in an essay, you have your thesis statement and then you had to like the arguments you're supposed to back up and then like each of the so i looked at it like the chorus is like your thesis statement and your verses and shit are just like the arguments that you use to effectively back up your your thesis statement yeah to further explain the purpose of the chorus yeah i like that i like that a lot because i could tell that your songs are about shit and it's cool that you were able to express that level of like stuff with us but i like also the emphasis on the hook or the chorus because that it it is really the part and something I learned along the way is um, people really want to sing along like fans because you know yeah. sometimes we get into this world <clears throat> especially if uh, you're always networking and dealing with artists and shit is you get into this world where you see like the hundred likes on Facebook but you don't realize that 98 of those likes are like other rappers and engineers and video makers and shit like these are all your peers right these aren't necessarily your fans and I'm not yeah. saying that they can't be your fans, right? Because, yo, a lot of times I'm a fans of people. Like, I'm a big fan of Merkur Miyagi's work, uh, music. I'm a big fan of Sammy C's fucking freestyles and shit. I'm a big fan of just a bunch of different people's work, right? But then a lot of other people, it's just like, yo, we peers. Dog, like, we working together and shit, you know? Like, of course I'm liking your shit and commenting and being involved in this. This is, like, the game. So... The, what I realized about fans, which is different than your peers, is they want to sing to your shit. And all the fans were like, bro, when you go, blah, 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 I can't sing along to that. I can't even understand a fucking word you're saying. And then I realized yeah. rappers respected me for doing a certain thing. But fans didn't necessarily, when I say fans, I mean like the, the average person who might become a paying consumer of my music, a potential fan, I should say. They were like turned away by some of the more flossy shit I was trying to do. Yeah, I guess it was it was uh, it was that audience. I guess that wasn't their cup of tea because that's that, that's the weird thing about music. There's there's a place for for everything. Mm. I mean, there's a couple. I'll put it this way: there, I I've heard a whole bunch of Montreal artists that deserve or should be higher up than some of the mainstream artists that I have heard that are mainstream. But it's just all about getting the right sound to the right audience to pick up. So it's like there's a place for it all, you know? I definitely feel that. Um, I also feel like in a lot of ways, marketing yourself correctly to the right audience is key. <clears throat> in a That's... lot of ways. Um, one of the things I think has been an issue was always finding finding peers in my lane, if it makes sense. Because there's a lot of people out there, right? And there's a lot of shows out there. But, like, I'm an office worker, dude. If you in the trap, there's a good chance that, like, our crossover fan bases aren't, like, the same, you know? Like, not to say that they're not. But, like, maybe, like having a bunch of folk showing up looking scary to a bunch of other folk can be like not the best mix of shit like there's ways to make shit but i say yeah. this because there's experiences i've had like in specific where i brought a bunch of colleagues in and then a fight breaks out and then none of my colleagues wanted to you're come not back. accustomed to that 
and so that's that's what I'm trying to convey. Like there are there are levels to the city, right? Like a lot of people see their immediate city, and then people try to throw these generalized shows where they mix all sorts of things together with no rhyme, no reason. And I find that that kind of like it doesn't make it that people really want to come to it. Is what I noticed. Whereas, yeah. so I had a lot of trouble for a long time. Uh, your COVID has been a blessing to me. The truth about COVID is it let a lot of people start interneting and a lot more people, cause yo, back in the day, if I would have been like zoom call interview, people would have kind of laughed a little bit and been like, bro, no, I need that real life connection shit. But now it's like, you kind of, nobody has a choice, right? Like it's zoom or so get the fuck out. And it's just kind of what it is. So now we're here and uh, everyone's zooming with me. But it got me to this point where I'm able to like really meet a lot of different people and, and kind of start to connect with a bunch of people that are more in my lane so that when COVID ends, we can start to like throw our little show and do that team shit that you were describing before, right? So that we can layer it down. Because yo, if there's one piece of advice I can give to anybody once COVID's done and the bars reopen in like 2023 or whatever, because yo, I don't think that COVID's ending and the bars just reopen. That's going to take fucking time to really happen, unfortunately. There will be some, but anyway, it'll it'll come back. But when it does, having squads like what you're describing, where you guys hold down a show, and then me and let's say I have my squad of people and we hold down a show, and yeah, we have crossover maybe. Like you know, we feature your guy one day, you feature our guy one day, and then they you know like that. But mostly at the same show, the same people keep coming back, so the motherfuckers can learn their songs, cause yo, we need the crowds to sing along and shit, right? If the crowds know your songs, they want to come back because they can sing along a vibe and be part of the movement and shit. So I don't know, man. What do you think of the idea of shows having the same people performing over and over again over time? Um, if if you do it in a almost competitive way and you have them switch the tracks because that's another thing um yeah you want the people to sing along but you also don't want them to be bored and what i mean is you can end up having certain um certain fans that come to the first show and if they know it's gonna be the same lineup of artists performing the same exact thing in different clothes they would rather stay home in Netflix because I've seen that before. So it all depends. Each one has to have a significant difference to it to bring to bring the fan in. You know, it's like watching mm -hmm. the same movie. You'll watch a different episode of the same series, but it's not the same thing to watch the same movie again, even if the people change clothes. So it's just it's 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 a good idea to get the people used to the same artists. It's definitely a great idea. But you're definitely gonna need to find a way to make the shows differ. So my thought was headlines. So my guys handle. So yo, first of all, I'm not into big sets. So I would have like three, four openers max, right? Because yo, here's what I learned: nobody wants to spend ten, fifteen dollars to watch me do ten minutes, but they'll spend that money to watch me do fifteen minutes. So I'm like, okay. 15, 20 minutes, that seems to be a reasonable amount of time to get somebody to want to actually come to a fucking place to watch me perform. That's just myself. Other people have different thresholds, but that's how my head was with it. So you do a 20 minute, a 20 minute, take a little weed break, 
20 minute, 20 minute, take a little weed break and then a headliner, you know? So maybe the times change, but you get your, your regular guys or your, not your openers, but yeah, kind of your openers. And then you get like a guest or whatever that comes through for your main event. But then when you have something big coming, like an album drop or whatever, that's when you guys do the headline spots, you know? That's when you got claiming at that point and other people could do the opener. But that way your, your peeps are constantly performing Right, but then it yeah. keeps it fresh because there's always somebody new to fucking come through. That would be my first idea on that. That could that could work. It has potential. The idea needs refining, but definitely has potential. Um, That's fair. <clears throat> it definitely does, because we do need shows. But I would say my first issue with shows is how do you get the crowd to stay? Because that's something I've noticed is a lot of the fans in Montreal oh. come for their specific artists. And then when that artist leaves, you have four, five, six people leave with them and it's like a rotation. So the artist that shows up at nine o'clock has about five, six, eight people with him. He performs, say 10, 10, 30. He leaves with his people. Then there's an artist that shows up at about 10, 30, 11. He comes with a... So the room hardly mm. increases. So here's... I have an answer to that that nobody's going to like when they deal with me in the future, but fuck it. It'll be my show, so you deal with me or you don't perform, I guess. Fuck <laughs> them. Um, but it's what it is because it's going to be my show, my brand. It is what it is. But here's my problem. First of all, I got to be at work at 9 in the morning. So fuck a show that starts at 11 p.m. on a Thursday. Now, that doesn't mean there shouldn't be a show that starts at 11 p.m. on a Thursday. But I'm never going to really go to that unless I'm on vacation because, yo, I got to be at work at 9. So what, I'm going to go for an hour, turn around and go home? I'm also smoking a lot of pot. I'm not driving anywhere. It's all public transit and shit, right? That's what it is. I'm not fucking spending no Uber money. That's not happening. I'm not rich like that. That's just the realities of my life. But what I'm also describing is the realities of a lot of people's lives. So I'm going, where's the 7 o'clock show? <clears throat> Where is it? It's just I went to one. It had people, and they all stayed. It was this one show. It was a bunch of ladies. It was at 7, and the crowd never left. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? This is weird. And everybody stayed till the end of the show and went home. And I was tripping a little bit. But they also had sound check. And I'm like, no shit, sound check. The fucking thing that does. Because here's the thing. <clears throat> Any show I've ever been to for the... I, I performed like 60s, a bunch of shits like that. Very little sound check. But anytime there was sound check, you got to be there like an hour before the show starts. Or you can't do sound check. And if you're not willing to show up for sound check, you don't want to perform at the show. That's the truth of the situation. And um, I think there's this attitude and culture that is artist-centric with these shows. As in people worry about when the artist can come and I'm not going to care when the artist can come. If you are doing a show, you are committing to staying to the show. You're, you're performing. You got to be there. You got to turn it. It's part of the job of being at a show as an artist. So I think the truth is, is artists don't do their due diligence. Dude, when I go to shows, man, I pull out my phone. I start going live on Facebook. I try to promote the fact that there's fucking music happening in the city because I'm an artist and I'm trying to big up the fucking scene with myself. And I'm not bullshitting. People have seen me filming shit at shows a lot in the past. Um, if you've seen me there. 
maybe not. I don't fucking know. But like the fact is, there's like ways you could like approach that. But instead, artists go there with their posse and they act like, yo, I just gotta show up at like you know whatever nine o'clock. Well, if you only want to show up at nine, why? There's hungry people, dude. I'll just find people that are willing to come for sound check and stick around the whole show, and then those are the people I'll fuck with. And I guess that's how it's gonna work. The second somebody, look, if somebody legitimately has reasons, like listen, when I booked my show, there were people who were like, I gotta work until nine, I'll be there by this time, I'll make it happen by this time. And if somebody wants to arrange with me ahead of time because of real life circumstances that they have a shit and they need to be, you know, like I will accept that, right? I don't wanna like close off the door. But if yeah, it's yeah. like, yo, I'm just rolling on through with my homies at nine, I mean, I don't get that, it's a show. Your your job is to like be aren't you shouldn't you be there with like a bunch of merch trying to sell shit to everybody walking through the door? Well, That's yeah, how. but I don't know. It's one of those situations where opposite sides could be right because you also have to look at it from the artist's point of view. In which case, they spent money on the song they spent money to record they spent money on it and they're coming to record they're coming to perform it for free they're giving that's another issue most okay. of these artists are I not accept. getting paid you're saying a big so thing he here. doesn't make i can understand the artist not wanting to come at and spending another after he spent all that money and he's performing for free spend five six hours there Doing Yo, that nothing. is that is a really good fucking answer. I like that answer. That is the first time somebody's given me an answer that fucking shut me up for a second because that's good. I so that. I I appreciate what you're saying because you're right. Uh, promoters don't really pay rappers, and seven hours, let's say, is a lot of time to just dedicate to a cause. After the truth is, the amount spent. You're right. Um, Okay, I accept what you're saying is a valid reason to not want to spend it there. But at the same time, fine. I don't know how much an artist is worth, but I know nobody has the money to pay people what they're worth right now. So, I what? don't know. Let's say a promotion scene happens and people take a little bit of an underpayment for a minute and then play the game so that they one day can get the proper payment. If people did that for a minute and then played the game properly, knowing money's coming down the line, it could turn into something where like everybody's getting paid at every show. Yeah, but it's like you said earlier, it's like artists is not even asking producers for beats. No one has even spoken to the other mm -hmm. person about it. The That's artists not... that are certified to get paid have their rates and they get paid. And <clears throat> just like Hollywood, if you have yet to reach that certification, you don't get paid, but no one has ever spoken or tried to negotiate well okay you're a lesser artist you get this you get that to justify why an artist should come and spend seven oh. plus hours plus you also have to look at the image of it if we're talking these are images a heavy part of rap right like let's just be realistic so you're spending seven six hours in a club at the bar with what the same bottle in your hand that's money you have to spend that's people you have to entertain. The scene, the image has to still be maintained. So you can't, so you have to look at it like that. So I'm a rapper. I have the image to maintain. I, I spent all that money. I come, I spent seven hours. And during that seven hours, I have to spend another four or five bills. And I got paid zero bucks to be here. 
Bro, I really love what you're saying now because I can empathize heavy with that. When I go to an event, I'm going to have to probably spend about 50 to to $100 in weed alone, depending on it. You know, like, because, like, I'm just going to smoke that much. I'm going to be out. It's this, that, the next thing. But um, I really like what you're saying. Uh, part of it is because, like, what we're trying to do with this show is have conversations like this so that people can see other sides of the coin, honestly, and understand some shit. Like, my model is kind of based a little bit around that idea of having a regular crew and then maybe only having to pay one guy so I can afford to pay that guy $300 or whatever. If that guy's going to take three, I might, I can't afford more than that. Maybe I can afford three bills for a show. That's what it is, man. I'm going to fucking play it up to what I can. I mean, shit, we'll stream it live to Twitch. Maybe that counts for something. Uh, but at the end of the day, let's hypothetically say 300 is an acceptable amount of money. So then I don't have to pay the other guys because they're squad and we want to be there. And then it's really just yeah. paying one guy. So in my way, that would become a sustainable model because I agree with you. With everything you're saying, yo, paying people is really important to me in a weird way. It kind of changed a lot for me. I realized that what a boss is, is a person who pays people. So if you're supposed to be in this hip-hop game, we're supposed to be bossing the fuck up. That's the truth of the matter. You know, I might not boss up like how you boss up, and I might not do it the same way that you do it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, bossing up has a certain... Uh, uh, it matters, right? So... I mean, I like what you're saying about this time commitment thing because I don't think a lot of the promoter people, a lot of the other people actually sit there and consider what you're actually describing about maintaining an image. That shit was fucking ridiculous. That shit was like an extra layer that I never even thought about Like, because I don't really drink. So there's no yeah. part of my image that's bottles at a club or sitting there like that, right? But if that's actually something that you have to do because of oh. the, the role that you're playing. <laughs> Yo, could, could you imagine you just got on stage, rapped about me and my boys, we trap, we pop bottles in the club, and then you and your boys go sit down and grab a couple beers. <laughs> that's, not, that's not working, bro. That's not working. And to spend the money just to keep the image is not smart neither. Right. So then it comes sure. down to making sure that it's a worthwhile investment of time. Now, personally, I don't really think I'm going to do a lot of free performances in my life just because of where I'm at with my life. And I agree, time is an investment. When you said seven hours, I'm like, holy shit, that's... Yo, bro, I'm not doing that either. <laughs> like, I totally get what you're saying. It makes all the sense in the world. But... um I don't know what the right rate is. I know that the scene needs a decent rate that turns into a better rate, but I really appreciate what you're saying because basically I hope to make a clip out of this and have it be like, yo, why it matters to pay your artists. Like, you know, like something like that, right? Like that's what I hope we get out of this because, dude, what you just dropped is some fucking knowledge nuggets to the whole fucking all of us, even myself. I'm sitting there going, yo, of everything we talked about, that may be the most profound thing that we talked about so far because, yo, a lot of people I know never think what you just said they never think about what you just said they complain about a lot of things but they don't think about what you just said how much money it costs an artist just to even show up at the fucking event and do a thing like i saw homeboy cy and them they fucking show up uh at the fucking dak show in a limo now that's a cost now are they playing it up are they doing their thing of course they are yeah they didn't have to but like when I thought about but nonetheless, it, nonetheless, yeah. If that's the it image caught. they want to portray, if that's how they want to play it, it means now in some way you need to have a return on investment attached to this. And I think there is some kind of an issue in the city where, and this is kind of what inspired me to get into things in the first place, was I was a rapper and just a rapper. 
And as just a rapper, you find out that you pay everybody, but nobody pays you really. And that's the, I mean, fans might pay you here and there, but the truth is you're paying the engineer, you're paying the beat, at least if you're doing it honorably, right? You're paying the video guy, you're gonna pay promoters. And in a sense, if you want, like you're not saying all of them, but it's not simple to get booked for free even at the good shows. And the bad shows do some ticket reselling stuff for the most part. And there are exceptions to all the rules. I'm generalizing on purpose based on Holden's experiences. So if yours is not yeah. the same, understand. Um, and then you're, you're in this like role where like, I don't know, it just gets convoluted, right? It's like everything costs money, but rappers like whatever. Then even like other interviews and stuff. I don't know about all of them, but I know that it might cost money to go do shit because people started saying, bro. You know how much money you can make off these guys and i'm like bro come on that's not what this is about that's what i'm trying i'm not really i'm getting you know everybody's you taught me- trying to get off rappers so like i look at it like you just taught me how to market my shit better in this interview so fuck that i got paid <laughs> you know like you, you saved me this is like instead of watching a youtube video i got to talk to fucking vava and learn a bunch of dope shit dude you're awesome i fucking love in this chat dude i think you're a very intelligent guy i like that's talking right. to smart people Anytime I can talk to smart people on this chat, the entire audience gets enhanced. Everybody gets enhanced, and we all learn a bunch of shit, though. So, like, I totally like, I don't know. I really like what you said about the artistry and shit. What do you think we can do? What do you think we can do to, like, work better together? I think everybody works more if there's a stake for it than everyone. So here, here would be just wild idea. I, I didn't have time to process it, but if, cool. if instead of paying the artists, they got a percentage of the ticket sales. Bro. Or they got a percentage of, let's say, the bar. But you don't deal with them on an exact, this is how much you're getting. You deal with them on a percentage level. So the more people you bring, the more people you entertain, the later you make the show, the more money you make. That way the artist gets to get paid off his hard work. Wow. Dude, that is fucking smart. I don't know how many people have tried that. I don't know if it's like fucking like an idea that's been done or not. But I like the idea of shared equity in the show. That's kind of what I'm taking it. Because if it's a percentage that you're getting in it, not necessarily that they buy in, but in a sense, it becomes a sense of equity. Like you, you have a sense of the more that you put into this show, the more that you're going to get out of it. So I was talking um, to an engineer who worked at Bad Boy in the 90s. Like he was part of the original team that Puff hired to like work on that shit. And he was telling me that that's effectively how his whole career has been. Like when you give shit into these communities you get shit out of it even down to the sense of ownership like they literally had to build the fucking studio and then they got to work in it right you know creating in a sense the same thing of what you're describing but that creates a sense of loyalty and passion rather than having to work yo because you go to me and go bro sell 10 tickets i'm like dude i'm in my 30s everybody's a parent who the fuck's coming to the show you know like that's my first thought maybe it's a bad attitude I have to admit, sometimes I'm a grumpy guy and I, I have some bad attitudes and I'm working on that shit, trying to be more positive. But if I were to be able to go to that person and be like, yo, straight up, the more money this show makes, the more money I make. Yo, hook me up, dog. Just come through one time. I bet more people will come through to help you like that. Yeah, because people fall deeper for the mystery too. 
the way. Like a, a couple people might say no to fifty bucks, but if you don't know how much, because and not only that, it's a guarantee for the promoter also, because I can't really pay you until the money has been collected, right? So the artist can't really leave the show without getting his payment. Oh my so gosh. he has to be there. So that forces him to be there. And him now, he wants it to be lit. He wants it to last as long as possible because he doesn't know how much he's getting paid. Could be 50 bucks or it could be 500. It could be whatever. It all depends on how well everybody worked together. It forces everyone to put in, well, whatever percentage they're getting. I'm pretty sure the guy, if a guy is getting 20%, he's going to put in more work than the guy getting 10%. But that's the whole point. You put in what you you get back what you put in. But I love what you said about that too, because I didn't even think about the idea of people only getting paid at the end. So now you're actually incentivized to be there the whole time. You're incentivized to get there early because you want to start getting people turned up and spending money at the bar right away. And then you're incentivized to like stick around to the whole way through the event because yeah, there's more money. Even, even if it's just a monitor to make sure the promoter don't rob you the jazz so. You know, you're like, oh, damn, I saw the place was lit. You can't tell me so and so, you know? So it's a complicated thing. It could get iffy. There's a lot of trust or business trust that would be needed for it to actually pan out because, you know, you got to have good promoters that's willing to be honest and artists that's willing to, I guess, not be too grumpy or whatever about it and just let shit be. But it's, but it's, it's also at. I like what you said there too, because it's going to take both sides of the coin. Like artists have a desire that isn't realistic is actually my thought of it. Like as much as everybody wants $500 to go show up at a night, maybe I don't know what real numbers are with, I'm throwing out fake numbers just off the top yeah, of my yeah. head. But let's say everybody wants $500 to show up. Like, bro, if I have to put out $2,000 paying local talent, like I can throw a show a year. Man, but if I rip. can get, but I, I'm, let's say I'm willing to lose $2,000 a year. Let's say I'm willing to do that, right? Do you really want me to lose that all on one event? Or isn't it like smarter for me to lose that over five events so that we can at least work towards making it up? Because once I make back that 2000 I throw it back in. And then that's how people get like incentivized. So in a little bit, I think artists have to understand how much money it really costs to run this and that nobody really has that money. Dude, millennials can't even buy houses. <laughs> like, who the fuck has that money? Yeah. Not a lot of people. So that's where it's like, and, I, and that's the thing is, you're not wrong. I'm actually sitting here going, okay, so when I throw shows in the future, I got to figure out how to fucking pay people. How much I got to pay people. Like, I'm going to plan all that out because I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying. And I want to make sure that I can at least create a, my version of the world that it makes the most sense. But I'm also then running numbers in my head going, bro, man, nobody's making that kind of money here. Well, the the even with that, not to cut you off, but no, go for the it. issue is, once again, lack of information because producers or promoters don't think or don't know or just not aware of how much artists spend. The same is vice versa. Artists don't know how much promoters are spending to book these things. So in an artist's mind, you could be caking. You could be, you know, I saw, so to get to reality, people have to talk. You gotta, you know, you gotta find, but most promoters are not gonna wanna disclose that information. And so that's why 
it's, it's just hard. It's going to be a bit complicated. Nah, but, but, I, but what I like about your business model, because your business model inspires me, is that it requires disclosure from a promoter for it to work. You can't be like talking percentages and not talking about expenses because expenses affect profit and percentages are going to come from profit, not from revenue, right? So in order to justify it, whatever, you're going to have to be able to say, yo, the DJ costs $500 and the doorman costs, because yo, a good DJ, yo, that could be a $500 night, you know, depending on who yeah. you want to get. And then, uh, you know, you got to pay the bar. I found a, a small bar, it was a hundred bucks or whatever, $200 to rent them. That's a small bar. I know that shit can get to a thousand dollars right quick if you want to have a nice place. Um, and then like you start running through these numbers and you know what you're going to make back. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I, if you look at the amount of people in the audience, um, uh, basically you're just kind of like, you're like, how are people going to make back? And you know how they do it? I've talked to promoters. You have to throw shows for a long period of time. You have to establish trust. Like look at the cipher. I don't know if you know what that is, but the cipher ran up until COVID every Thursday night. For a very long time. You look at something like Community, which is that jazz collective from Preach and Kobe and them, and it ran 17 years, etc., because of regularity and da 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 da. But a lot of people put a lot of time and effort into establishing these brands. So, in a sense, let's say you and Stretch and them, you guys get your group together and you figure out your run of shows. It might take you 12 shows, but on show 13, every show future is profitable because that's kind of like how this game kind of ends up playing out in, in this yeah. world. But I think a lot of promoters are trying to make bank back like on like day three. But usually what happens is, is your first show is really good because it's new. So you can get all your friends and shit. So you make some extra bank and you think of little things. But then show two, half the crowd. And it's not, it's just kind of how it is, right? Like, I don't know. I don't make the rules. This is just how this shit works out. Then show yeah. 12, you're more than you ever had before. You're already upgraded to a new venue. So it's kind of like... I don't think a lot of people understand that that's how this kind of a game works. What you're trying to establish is a core audience of people who think you're interesting enough to show up over time, right? That aren't just the rappers and shit. And to do that, you you know, it takes a while. Like hip hop karaoke pulled that shit off. I don't know if you ever heard of that, but it's yeah. a bunch of people doing karaoke tracks, like no lyrics or anything. I watched them do one a month for a year, dude. They packed Belmont, the entire fucking bottom floor all year. When it dropped to Brand. irregular, it was Brandon. empty. That's Brandon. And that's kind of what it is. So, like, I think it's just that a lot of people don't fully understand how to do the promotion game in a lot of ways on that education tip. Regardless of all the future and COVID and how anything's going to change, I think it's just like, I like how you said about conversations and education. I think your promoters did talk. Yo, if I can get promoters to come through and just explain their story on this channel, rappers might be able to come watch that and go, okay, it's like that. But yo, even this shit, having promoters be able to see what you had to say here as an artist, yo, that's helpful to the bigger scene. Because in my opinion, there's education to be had. And then we can all go, okay, everybody's broke. How can we make money together? That would be like where I think we end up at because... Once the money comes in, it's a different situation. But at least for now, it's like, I think, let's, uh, let's get to the money. Like, like we'll, we'll, let's, we'll fight when the money gets you. We'll worry about that later. But let's at least get to the money. Um. So, yo, uh, we got a question off of the YouTube channel, actually. Uh, what Dude. is this from DJ Crystal Clear? Uh, what is your thoughts on today's hip hop? He also didn't hear anything before. But what are your thoughts in general on today's hip hop? 
and the state of the industry and all that shit. Well, it's, it's good. It's uh, is he talking about here in Montreal or in general? No, in general, he's on YouTube. In general, okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Wanted to clarify. Um, <clears throat> it's good. It's exactly how it's supposed to be. It's evolved. It's it's gonna continue to evolve. It's gonna go back and then change. Um, I mean, if you think about it, um couple years ago everybody thought hip-hop was gonna die because mumble rappers was taking over and oh you can't hear nothing these kids are saying but that was part of the process and that's how you got the young thugs and the the little babies and the kanye's it's through that so hip-hop is exactly where it needed to be and maybe the next sound that comes after this one everybody will freak out again but then it'll fall right back where it needs to be I like that. Um, an answer I got from this guy, this guy Tech Luciano in Montreal, um, that really resonated with me is hip hop is whatever the kids in the locker room are listening to. Yep. Young dudes playing football and shit, the urban youth, what they be bumping in the fucking locker room is hip hop. And that was a cool answer to me because it's like, who the fuck am I to tell these kids what hip hop is to them, you know? And if you look at the history of it being a cultural movement inspired heavily by the youth, right? It's kind of what the youth make it, you know? And so, what I think is also interesting about hip-hop today is that old consumers exist, which is what I don't think a lot of people realize. It's not just that old rappers exist. It's that old consumers exist. So now it's just like everybody exists in the spectrum in a way that is completely different. And if you look at like the Grammy noms, it's a bunch of old dudes this year. Who knows what it'll be next year. But, like, there's a lot of shit out there. I do a lot of new album reviews. I stopped a little bit because life got busy. But for a long time, and I can tell you, dude, there's new hip-hop in every lane. Even in Montreal, right? Even in Montreal, you'll find hip-hop of every single lane you can possibly fucking think of. Like, five, ten guys that could be the one in that genre, you know? And that's just fucking crazy about, I guess, the state we're in. Uh, The barrier of entry has dropped and there's a lot more people in the game. But there's also just a lot more talent in the game because we all s- kind of studied the same foundations, right? Like, Yeah. It's interesting. Well, I don't know. Well, I think the game has been made a bit easier. Mm. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Definitely. Uh, I definitely have appreciated this conversation. Um I, I think it's been good talking to you. I don't really know what else to say in this moment, and so I don't want to like drag it on and go and push it for too much. I think you're a very Rango. smart and insightful dude, man. I've been really enjoying. I enjoy the th- stuff that we discussed because, yo, like I said, you taught me a whole bunch of shit. Um, I feel like this is a cool. This is cool for the platform because, in a way, you're one of the first guys that I really had no idea about coming into this. So this was kind of a cool experience, you know, just going through that, you know, learning about you on the fly like that and just discovering how smart you were. You can hear it in your music for everybody that's with it. Um, It'll be inevitably linked in descriptions and shit. Uh, But definitely check out Vava. Definitely check out his stuff. He's an absolutely brilliant guy. I'm just going to go ahead while everyone's here and link uh, your Spotify profile in the comments so everybody can get a fucking uh, opportunity to go ahead and click on that.
and uh, I think you should check it out. He's got a good blend of melodic styles, of lyrical fucking styles, of you know more dry vocals, real topics, real progression throughout his music, and definitely you can hear the years of experience that have gone into creating what he has crafted. Stuff we've learned is that he takes the time to create albums that tell the story that matters to him in the concise and amount of time that um sorry in the right amount of time that matters to him we learned a lot about the context of artists going to shows that was fire we learned some ways to get yourself more attention you know just how he creates music how important choruses are there's a lot of cool shit that we talked about in my opinion so i definitely appreciate all of that before we go if anyone does have any questions that you have now would be a great time to throw that into the chat dj crystal clear i see you hit me up in like uh another time in the chats or something head over to twitch i don't know uh in response to a question over there um but yes is the answer to you um and then in general yeah i just uh i just think it was great i think it's always a good chat when we get to the point where new stuff was discussed man and that's what I really loved about this. We helped it because it's called Bridge the Gap, man. I told you on Bridge Gaps and Knowledge. And I feel like we made efforts to do that here tonight. So it was mission sure. accomplished and big success. I would absolutely love to have you back in the future. As shit progresses in life, you ever want to come back, you let me know. We fucking have that conversation again. I want to learn more about what's ever's popping, popping. You know, COVID ends. Fucking so you all your big you moves and shit. Um, let me know when your music comes out. We'll check it out on the channel and maybe do some shit. We'll figure it out. I have an idea for some shit where maybe you're down where, like, let's say you drop a new project. We review it together in a sense. I give you my little thoughts and then you respond to the thoughts as I hear the song for the first time. It's a new format I want to try. So maybe if you're down, you can fucking uh, test that out when your next project comes out proper. It's so definitely encouraged because, yo, your brain's interesting, dude. Um, on that note, um, do you have any final thoughts for everyone? Um, happy new year's, <laughs> uh, 2020 was a bitch. Yes. Uh, hopefully we never see that hole again. So that's what it is. Um, Good luck. I'm going to do my little outro speech. Thank y'all for watching everyone. I appreciate you all. Definitely let us know in the comments for those of you watching this after on YouTube what you thought about everything. Ask your questions for the next times. Um, like the video if you liked it. Subscribe to the channels, all that good stuff. Special thanks to the patrons. Ismail Gadamsi, Chris Prada, Jonathan Barnes, DJ Black, Hurricanes, Linda Williams, and Scribble. The drop is support what we do. If you want to support what we do, you can go ahead at patreon.com slash behind that suit. And uh, yeah, I like that chain. Thank you, sir. Nice, dude. That's fucking cool. Um, but yo, on that note, everybody, I totally appreciate you. It was really fun, man. I had a blast. I really, really did. Thanks a lot for having me, man. No free structure, Jay.